Hello, Knights of the World Table. So what you're about to hear is our wrap-up session for Season 3. It is not story content at all. It's just us, the humans, the performers behind the characters, talking about the season and things that we enjoyed. It's actually in two parts because uh, the first 30 minutes or so is recorded immediately after we finish Season 3. You'll literally hear the last line of Season 3 and then our reactions right after that. And then uh, a couple of weeks later, we got back together and we talked about it. We went through kind of like the, all the episodes of the season and talked about things we enjoyed and things that we kind of wanted to get, things the players wanted to get my take on behind the screen and stuff like that. This is something that was really cool to do, and I definitely recommend you do it with your own groups when you finish a campaign or just get to a point where kind of the big reveals have happened and there's an opportunity for the DM to be able to kind of like talk openly and share some of the stuff that they might have had to keep secret previously. It's really a great opportunity to communicate and kind of like cheer each other on and just share what's been going on for you in a session. So I definitely recommend doing this. Um, it's really, really long. We talked a lot. I think it's all pretty interesting. I think if you really enjoyed the season and want to get to know kind of like what we were thinking all along, it's uh, pretty cool to listen to. And if you're not into that, then that's why it's a bonus episode. Feel free to skip right on by. Although you might want to skip all the way to the end because the last few minutes our DM for season four will give a short little prologue leading into season four. So you might want to check that out. So in terms of our release schedule leading up to season four, next week you will hear our one shot, first part of our one shot DM'd by Chris following Jarek and Sarsa on the journey to rescue Jarek's dad. Our friends Chanel and Lenny joined us for that and did a great job. And also our very special guest star, who uh, was actually the creator of the original Darkwing Duck cartoon series and the creator of the original Chippendales Rescue Rangers cartoon series, as well as many other things. And also my dad, Tad Stones, is going to be playing Jarek's dad, Eric Dark Harbor. So that was a lot of fun to record with him. And um, you should definitely check that out. So that'll be in one week that'll release. It'll be in two parts. So two weeks after that. And then I think we will actually do a special Halloween episode that we will tell you more about in the future. And then after our Halloween episode, we will start season four. So a little bit of a potpourri of excitement on its way to you. Now, I uh, hope you enjoy this wrap up show. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other and make life an adventure. need every resource we can summon for the resistance. And that will be end of season. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, nice. Snap. What do you guys think? Be a cliffhanger who they yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Super good. What a roller good coaster. Times. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely the most intense season for sure. I like the nautical theme. I think that that was well done mm-hmm. and well played. How it kind of like stuck to that, uh, that you know, the the water elements. Yeah, it was really cool. Was mm-hmm. fun, and it's so, and it's hard to do too. Really fun, like NPCs throughout too. 
I feel like in this season especially. Really enjoyed that. Yeah, Thanks. really cool diverse bunch. Thanks very much to the town of Giaka and support. <laughs> hey, <Jeff. laughs> All of Giaka. I kind of was hoping that Nefejni was I was like, man, if he pulls this off, like <laughs> Oh, I know. I was gunning for you for the title of like most ridiculous attempted plan of action, but <laughs> that wisdom save was like, okay, yeah, Zach's not gonna let me get away with this. Fair, which fair, but I had to try. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Now Fashion sure. still got your back. Now Fashion will turn up. Okay. Okay. <laughs> But clearly, I, I he was wrote... better friends with uh, XX Minotaur mm-hmm. than you. <laughs> Minotaur yeah. did call in a favor, but XX doesn't know about it. It's true. Anybody who can oh, move what? the, uh, what is that? The immovable rod. Immovable rod. rod. Immovable yeah. rod. <laughs> Bring it on, bro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the ride. yeah, that was classic. He is now the immovable XX Minotaur. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Except for, like, he, it is, he is movable. Like he I, he's not that bright, okay? It's just <laughs> mover of the immovable. I love that's such a great moment. And what I like most about it is the reaction of the group was like they had no idea they had done something impossible. That Minotaur <laughs> did something impossible. So they're just like, oh, it's a piece of crap. It doesn't work. <laughs> this thing sucks. <laughs> hey, get your garbage out of here, okay? Get out. Oh man. <laughs> oh good job it must be broken <laughs> the first oh, attempt man. to use it <laughs> i thought the uh the whole like warping through realities thing was like so wild where like there's this whole like detour episode with mm-hmm. uh, xx bloody heart I-, I love that like each season we have this little detour epi- <laughs> episode usually with xx bloody heart oh um, yeah you know give the people what they want <laughs> <laughs> Is, is that what they want? They want antics, and uh, <laughs> we provide that. I want antics. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> the show doesn't have enough antics. I I really liked Gravely and uh, Farah's deal. <laughs> I thought that was a nice thing that built Let's up slowly. Just a and, whole and romance season. It was really cute. Oh, we didn't go back to Farah, but you had a very nice final scene with Farah. So yeah. So if. Dropoff killed uh, Aquilius, and he became the Lord of the whatever. Does Gravely is now his Gravely now the Lord of the Water Realm or something <laughs> because he killed Dropoff? You don't have to answer that. Uh, I'm just throwing it out there. It's <laughs> a good lingering question. It's gonna be like a Davy Jones thing where you have to go like live underwater. Yeah. Um, well, that's well, I'm just. I, I imagine it kind of like the way you did. With uh, what was the Goliath's name last season? I'm totally blanking right now. Massimo, 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 and Bart, right? Where he just like slowly morphed from Bart into Massimo over the course of several episodes. Just do that. Do that with the Water Lord. Just gravely, just slowly becomes more and more powerful. <laughs> he just starts sweating more and more until eventually, <laughs> like he just has a liquid sheen at all times. That is super gross. <laughs> <laughs> he he could just move to Florida, though, right? <laughs> I don't think it would affect him. But why? Just be a regular old Gravely. Would it affect him, or would it just be regular old Gravely in charge of the bureaucracy of the water realm? Uh, uh, hey, guys, I think uh, salt, salt water is good. <laughs> I have a I sound like. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I sound like. 
<laughs> Can you do your best gravely impression? I don't even know. Let me let me hear gravely again. Uh, I, I'm gonna shoot him with my bow. I've I've got to shoot him with my bow. I've got to shoot it with my bow. I've got to shoot him with my bow. I've got to shoot him with my bow. We all just sound like a bunch of like beggars. Yeah, <laughs> sound like a bunch of drunk Please parrots. All right, well, now we get to impersonate everybody else. <laughs> nope, just you. Anyway. <laughs> so I would like to maybe just like go down the line here and have everybody just kind of share a little, some thoughts about like how you feel like things went, kind of like where your character's at or any sort of like questions you have or just sort of any other, any any impressions for the moment, just so everybody gets an opportunity to speak a little bit. Anybody want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. I'll yeah. Go first. So fine. Jen slash Maya slash Sarsa slash Clara with, with any of those people, past, present and future, where are you at right now? Just after wrapping up season well, three. Well, being fresh off of, you know, Maya, I feel like she's kind of at an interesting place because she's, you know, kind of had this upbeat kind of naivete you know, almost uh, feeling of imperviousness, but has literally, you know, now having kind of come back from death and, you know, she still has that kind of optimistic nature, but like, I don't know. I, I feel like I kind of need to decide or it'll be interesting to see how, you know, Hey, we've, we've now kind of saved the world ish like twice now. And, uh, great we get to do it again which is kind of I almost wonder if for her it's starting to feel a little repetitive like obviously like we know that the stakes are just only getting raised and higher but um I don't know I I'm just thinking for her it's kind of like oh we have to go Zuzu sing again and geez I thought we just saved everybody <laughs> you know so um I don't know. I, I I could actually see her having a little bit of internal conflict about that. You know, obviously she wants to do the right thing, but like, why does everything keep getting mucked up all the time? Hashtag 2020. Um, <laughs> Mike could drop into a dark emo that. phase at what, <laughs> the same time that Je XX Bloody Heart becomes all like positive and <laughs> XX Bloody Heart happy. <laughs> That'd be kind of fun. Yeah, she might be due for like a pissy phase. Yeah. I feel like she kind of was a little mopey. Uh, oh, when was that? There was like half an episode where she was a little mopey. But... Things are pretty complicated for Maya. Yeah. So, and then like Sarsa, we'll see. I think we're going to explore kind of what she and Jarek are up to, but I'm looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. And then Clara's just, you know, looping. What Doing happened? Thing. Whatever. Savannah loves that character, by the way. Does she really? FYI. <laughs> uh, that is like, <laughs> that's so funny to hear because, like, that was such a, like, impulse. Like, I think out of all three, she's the one I've given the least thought to. <laughs> Didn't have the opportunity. That is so true. <laughs> Thanks, Zach. Or the choice. Well done. <laughs> Here's the card you've been dealt, the character sheet you've been dealt. Forced improv. <laughs> Yay. Matt Messerman, player of Branch, the br branch from the smallest tree in the forest. Oh, yes. Where are you at? How are you? What are you uh, thinking? Good. That was a fun character to play. I, yeah. I mean, I love, I love playing druids anyway. But then just the 
goblin on top of that was extra fun. I really liked how he was kind of weak when we first met him. And when we came back, he was just like throwing people off ships as a giant octopus and stuff. Um, that was pretty rad. If, if we see him again, it'll be really interesting because this is going to be a big change for him. He's been living off on his own for most of his life. Uh, you know, he left his little goblin clan and been living in the forest with his, his animal friends. Now he's got human friends, so to speak. Uh, so I'm, I'm real interested to see where he might go. Yeah, Branch was a lot of fun. Great voice, great character, great take on the character. Glad we got you back in there, summoning, summoning all sorts of craziness, even though that's the least favorite spell of any DM. Oh, it's the worst. <laughs> I know, I'm so sorry about that. When the druid conjures 16 small animals into initiative <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> yeah really we handled it well they were a lot of fun the frogs taking out the water elemental in one blow was epic oh i loved that that was so great and also yeah. right at a moment where i'm like oh this this fight might just kind of like drag on a little oh, nope nope it's not it's gonna over. drag on it's over <laughs> seven frogs rabbit 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 <laughs> It was interesting trying to balance because I, the part of druids I really like playing is turning into an animal and beating people up. Uh, but I'm like, what else would he do? And I love the conjuration spells; those are uh, those are so fun. I, I wanted to play a conjuration shot. wizard for a while, but I, wait. Bring your own minis; yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they will not be provided. Alrighty, Jeff XX Bloody Heart, how are you doing? Super. How are you feeling about where XX Bloody Heart is at? And- you're at and right at this moment oh i'm i'm trying to personally think in um wrapping everything into where the future goes so i have a lot of mind space in there um (laughs) i think we have not we can if we haven't initially announced in other episodes we can announce that season four which we will get to in a little bit after some one shots and checking in with other characters. Season four will be DM'd by our very own Jeff. Woo. Yeah. Woo. yeah. Get ready. So his brain's very busy. <laughs> it's going to be weird. And uh, despite him taking over what happens next, he, uh, even though I tried to give him a little bit of a teaser, of uh, what happened by sharing with him Sora's speech at the end there. Turns out he didn't listen to it. So um, that's all new to him. So he's going to incorporate that twist and what's going on in the realms and incorporate that seamlessly into his plans for season four. I, I worked better under pressure. <laughs> <laughs> the war is um, fine. Here's some other nonsense for you guys to do. <laughs> the Platinum Syndicate took over all of the realms. It turns out they're pretty good at it. I mean, you know, nothing's perfect, but there's something to be said for dictatorship. And, um, you know, it's not worse. You know, is it that much worse? It's fine. Let's go do other stuff. The trains run on time. All right. Well, we also had the recent return of Soot and Weston. Mm-hmm. How are you doing? Uh, it was it was really interesting playing a lawful evil character mm-hmm. and like being playing playing a character in a way that makes you feel disliked mm-hmm. is really kind of a strange thing for somebody who likes to be liked. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to I wanted to challenge myself and I wanted to see if like lawful evil characters you know can be in a party and work with a party but still kind of be after their own agenda and soot just had this uh he's just very selfish and very 
and it, it but it made sense for soot i mean he grew up with a bunch of you know selfish kobolds in a society where it was constantly you know people dying around you and i i wanted to bring something different to soot and i think he's grown a lot in the mm-hmm. season having finally found friends and not you know just people who want to use and abuse him so that's definitely changed who he is uh in in many ways and like relying on other people and uh he still is very uh very focused on his his goal but he might go about it in a little bit more uh empathetic uh way mm-hmm. so it was it was a really a, a interesting experience to to place to play a, a character that wasn't necessarily doing things that are liked and, and, and i mean i i didn't want to play you know the oh that's just what my character would do kind of <laughs> kind of character i i wanted him to still be likable in in some ways and for people still to root for him so i'm, I'm i hope that it didn't come across in in a way that was you know that that i i as weston that i was being selfish as mm-hmm. the person playing soot and i think that's the difference but it was it was a challenge, and so it was really really fun. And I hope I get to get to revisit him as well. It was a lot of good tension points and a lot of good. If anything, I think the reaction is like, "Come on, Soot! Come on! Just just do the right thing, Soot!" <laughs> he sort of did, and he sort of didn't. He always found his own way to work angles. And the notion of him becoming the captain of the Trident was not at all in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> and when Soot claimed it, I was like, whoa, that is so Soot. And uh, let's think about this. We'll I'm see. very, I'm very excited about the possibility of Captain He's wearing Soot. a very pow- powerful crown right uh, now. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's a nice little, nice little angle for the future. <laughs> He's got some pull. Uh, on the likability aspect, I found it interesting because like, I, I loved Soot. I thought he was a fantastic character and I was always really interested in what was going to happen. Branch hated him. Like in my head, it's just like not like so. It's just like you know, you annoyed him to no end. Um, but I loved it. That's funny. Yeah, it's weird to like have the characters in the game not not like you, but know that the people playing the game still like you playing the game. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. It's a, it's 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 something I've never experienced before. It's really kind of strange. Well, yeah, and you get a lot of that as a DM too. A lot of oh, like, that's true. <laughs> reactions of like, oh, oh, I wanted to do that, or like, oh, what is this? And like, you know, it's the DM's job really to have to stress out the players. But you know, there's so I many like being evil as a DM. Like that. That's yeah. great. <laughs> <laughs> Don't I, Chris? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no. Well, I think having that evilish character mixed into this story, even with XX Buddy Heart too. I mean, both of them, so more so, but like both of them, like uh, they're not classic, unyieldingly good, do the right thing characters. So that will put Gravely and Maya in some interesting positions with a lot of these characters, the pirates, all sorts of people of what do they end up doing? I also wanted to say, I really enjoyed the relationships between Soot and Gravely and Maya. Yeah. Um, because Soot was so far from what coach was to them. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That I think it like their relationship with each other changed. And I can see how Soot changed kind of the both of them, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. Yeah. And I and I thought it was really a cool thing on Chris and Jen's part to like make their characters grow, like to 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 have soot, some of some of what Soot said made sense, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
but uh, yeah, that's it was it was an absolute blast to play him, and I and I really enjoyed interacting with the NPCs and for for the NPCs to just constantly be like, oh, I, I really like these two, but this this thing, what what is the, what, <laughs> what is, is this guy doing here? With this? <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a fun dynamic with Honey Mist. Uh huh. It was kind of fun, like because I was like, Maya likes everyone. Maya has to find a reason to like Soot, and like it, you know. It was kind of fun for me to play the game of like, what angle is she going to find? Yeah. Like, you know, how do we navigate this? The most, uh, you know, empathetic, likable character and the most revolting kind of like (laughs) selfish character. (laughs) And they get along swimmingly and and, Mm -hmm. and she kind of changed him. And and yeah, yeah, he definitely had an effect on Gravely. Maya dressing up and naming all of his animated oh, so <laughs> is a perfect that. definition of their relationship <laughs> and he was, well, he, was uh, cool with it. he just went along with it I, that was fantastic well it, it was you know so is a very manip- manipulative manipulative character mm-hmm. so his wanting to manipulate maya turned into him just like liking maya <laughs> like just it, it, it welcome to my world that's his yeah. superpower i would yeah. like to point out too that in that final combat i accomplished nothing <laughs> the dice hey, at, least you, at least you weren't standing still the whole time you no, did you know what you did you know you know what you did jen slash maya is you healed a bunch of people before they walked that in that true. room because yeah, otherwise true. i think all of them would have been dead nice that your warlock now has heals. <laughs> Somebody's got But to. yeah, like I just I was so ineffective that in but you know, she's not necessarily a mid-max combat based character. She's very uh not that. I mean, if that dissonant whispers had worked, you know, it, that would have been big for sure. Would have taken There were a the... lot of things that if they had worked would have probably <laughs> I mean, well, that's, been That's the luck of the dice. Yeah. I, I, I think with uh, Tiburon also, like, you know, he, he was kind of like this big strong arm. Uh, w- and when Soot tried to, like, bring in the dead people onto the ship and he's like, no, you can't do it. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, they're not coming on the ship. Like, that was great, Carlos. I, I, I love I that. I still think about peppermint sails. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? That was such a great moment. <laughs> and the sea shanty and just, like, just, just having the nautical character um, of the Tiburon. The sea shanties was great. were gold. Blistering barnacles. <laughs> I kind of, I, w- I want more like Sarsa and Tiburon because they're very kind of similar. We have some not appropriate for everybody cuts of various sea shanties that <laughs> we can't release on the regular podcast for all the families listening, but they might make their way out in some form. Carlos, that's a good intro to you, Carlos, who thought he was going to play Tiburon for a couple of episodes, and we never let him go. How are you feeling? Uh, yeah, long-time listener, first-time player. Um, <laughs> it, was, uh, it, 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 it was certainly an interesting transition to sort of realize, like, I really thought I was going to be around for, like, two sessions and then bounce, and then to just sort of realize, like, oh, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm here forever, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> um, One of us. But 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 sort of uh, this is the longest that I've not that I've ever played D&D, but that I've played D&D in the same story with the same people. Uh, Most of my experiences either like fall apart or just switch up to something else. (laughs) So so this was this was uh, quite interesting to be going on that long, which really isn't even that long. (laughs) 
but but that just speaks to to, to sort, sort of like, like seven episodes but it took us approximately 14 years with the quarantine <laughs> happening and we, needing we, to yeah, figure I, out I our mean, audio that's the thing right we started in february but that feels like seven years ago so yeah it, it, it's the longest i've ever played D in a row but uh uh it, it was it was great sort of it, it it was it was interesting coming in and getting to interact with characters that sort of like knew each other and had relationships before uh, uh, before like I ever arrived. And obviously, some of those relationships have been around for seasons, but some of those relationships just started this season, but were 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 sort of like more well established than than sort of where I came in. And it was about finding, you know, initially when I approached the character, it was just again because I thought it was going to be short lived. It was like, okay, is there a need that I can fill for the party? And that's why I sort of went with a fighter and went with someone that was strong and sort of like uh uh sort of aggression a forward. Mm-hmm. Right. A real a real beefcake. Uh because <laughs> uh, you were missing you were missing that aspect in the team. Yes, we were. And 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 to sort of just just see how it's he 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 slotted in as as not just a uh you know like a functional character but like a personality. Mm-hmm. Uh I think that really came out in the sort of like scenes in Giaka. I was having a really, really great time um uh with with, with those uh, uh as jen mentioned uh tyrone and cersei had a, a quite the dynamic sort of going um and and getting to ride a shark is indeed a once in a lifetime opportunity that yeah. i don't think i'll ever get to do okay. again so uh that was such a good you say that. that but we're gonna keep you in the fold you never know man <laughs> that's true well, has that tried that's true. many a shark friend mm-hmm. aquaman yeah that was a pretty sweet tool and uh chris gravely hey where are you at? Gravely, you know, I came back to Gravely in sort of a hesitant mood. And then the, the first couple episodes, you know, he, he lost his job and, <laughs> and just kind of felt uh, a little bit depressed. <laughs> so I, I was playing. He didn't lose his job so much as found out that he had lost his found job like a year ago. <laughs> Reality came crashing down. I felt he sort of grew up a little uh-huh. bit and and through the sort of responsibility of taking care of, of making sure that soot doesn't like you know destroy things and taking care of <laughs> having the sort of big brother maya you know uh, relationship and everything like that i feel like gravely sort of came into his own with in a leadership position almost of of, of the group um and and just there's the whole relationship thing and you know he and just kind of realized like he stood up to an old rival uh, with Bashir. And um, so I didn't plan that going in to the season or anything, but it's just sort of organically happened, which I think mm-hmm. was great. And like Weston said, like Soot brought it out of him and Maya brought it out of him and branch. And, and, and um, so it was kind of na- nice to have that uh, organic progression of, of gravely just like getting his confidence and realizing, you know, killing the, uh, Lord Charcandrus at the end of season one was very like, ah, panic, you know, like, but, but with drop off this time was like, no, I'm going to take my fate into my own hands kind of thing. And it was, it was like how gravely got his groove back. <laughs> it's, it's it was a really much. cool moment too. Like your, your little quip, uh, <laughs> when you, when you took him out, I was like, yes, I, I, I think I cheered, which I don't usually do. <laughs> 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 uh, I forgot to do the cloak of Billy. Oh. His cloak should have billowed a little bit. It's canon now. (laughs) That happened. Yeah, I mean, that really highlights, like, in in perspective, like, a lot of good character 
journeys this season, largely propelled by all of you. I was definitely thinking you're recently editing some of the episodes of the the final assault, which stretched over three episodes. I think like gravely is really taking charge and calling out orders and telling people what to do. And, you know, that wasn't him at the beginning. And I think coach oh. fell into that spot a little bit as coach, <laughs> um, literally coaching things away. So like kind of in that absence, gravely really like stepped up and had a plan. And that was definitely like a growth progression for him. And the scenes with Pharaoh were awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's still super awkward, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but don't get me wrong. Like, uh, and, and the, the think the team dynamic, you know, cause the, the with branch and soot and Tiburon, like there's still some of them that, you know, they're still getting to know each other. And so, yeah, it's, they're not the uh, well-oiled machine mm-hmm. that <laughs> that uh, you know a, a, an adventuring group can be, but it, it's still it was still kind of interesting to see how they all came together, which was nice. Zach, what were your uh, where are you at? <laughs> Did you have any big curves that you were like, oh, this is not where I thought? Um, I mean, the biggest surprise that I'm quite thrilled with is uh, potentially captaining the Trident. That's a lot of fun to think about. He has a crew and a brilliant line, by the way, Weston, about summoning your own crew. That was perfect. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I was following your lead. <laughs> I didn't know I was leading, but like, oh, <laughs> magic. The, the, the thought of Soot becoming like a ghost pirate captain just makes me so happy. <laughs> oh, jeez. So good. That's terrifying nightmare you... fuel that will be our halloween episode oh heck yes <laughs> mini episode of that oh that'd be fun did you know that the uh island of giaco was a dragon turtle or did that was that an afterthought me yeah yes i definitely knew when you were on the island of giaco that it was a giant living turtle right cool cool well, that makes good. Sense. Well played. <laughs> your your guys's reaction when that popped up was fantastic. I was the only one besides Zach who knew what it was because yeah. I was on it. Uh, just listening to all you guys. What is happening? It was great. I don't know. Like when you were recording on your way out to it, that I necessarily knew at that point. I might have actually like worked that into the story between around the time of the second episode. Because I talked a lot about like, oh, it's an archipelago and there's a lot of islands. That doesn't really, in retrospect, make sense. So I think I actually, by the time, by the time you were on the island, I definitely knew, like, this is going to come to life later. And Branch needs to stay here and write it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's funny. Which left Matt uh, left in the lurch, not in episodes for, again, approximately 13 years. But I'm glad he got <laughs> to come back and make a big entrance. <laughs> it's a fun way to come back. <laughs> You know, it could still be an archipelago, archipelago, however you pronounce that word, which I think we talked about last time that word Mm -hmm. came up. Uh, You know, some of it was his tail. Maybe he had a leg floating up. It could still work. Well, there's just a lot of little islands and one big crater now. Does anybody else have questions for me off the top of your head? You'll have more time to think about those. How much time had passed for Sindel in the Fire Realm? Oh, I think I said 17 years. So she's like left when she was eight and now she's 25. she was that was something maybe we can talk more when we return to this episode but like the an unexpected like great time for me in this was when jeff took over as giaka and i got to really just like foreseen sindel was in just play sindel 
uh-huh. and like explore her, not have this like tertiary NPC who's around who I have to like remember to include and say things. But like, oh, Jeff's got the helm for leading things. I can really occupy Sindel and was able to find some really fun moments for her with gravely working the market, selling yeah, like things. The, the entrepreneurial yeah. uh, almond. That was a brilliant fun scene. <laughs> Roasted almonds. Made her a lot more of a real cool, fun character. (laughs) Oh, they're roasted now? (laughs) All right. Well, we can return to this discussion, but any last thoughts, comments right now? I think just a big thank you, Zach, for putting this together. This has been a fun fun arc, fun session. And and for dealing with the ambiguity of uh, recording online, since we can't record in person. I mean, that's, you know, I think a lot of... (laughs) actual play you know ttrpgs have kind of changed their tactics and and uh, we rolled with the punches all of us so rolled um, with the punches hey nights of the rolled table is recorded live in san diego california live studio audience welcome back everybody so what you just heard was us like right after the season finale, but now we are rejoining you weeks later. We've had some time to process and share. We've got uh, Carlos, Chris, Jeff, Matt, and Weston here. Jen is not able to make it tonight, but you heard from her in the first half. So we've had a little bit more time to process. And because our heads were like right in the like right after the season finale happened and what had happened recently, what we're going to do now is uh, one, share a few uh, listener comments, things that people said when we asked things that they enjoyed and stuff like that, and uh, a couple of questions, and also just like go through the season and remember each episode and have a little discussion of that. So let's go way, way back to the beginning, season <laughs> season three. So the very first episode Before was Before the pandemic. <laughs> Yeah, a long time ago. We were recording this, what, in February, I think? In person. Yeah. Yeah. Was it before that? Yeah, maybe we started in February. We got through about half the season before the pandemic knocked us all out. Anyway, so the very first episode was Gravely and Maya walking into Giaka, and Jeff was playing Giaka. We did the Session Zero zero discussion after that, or before that. So uh, thoughts, comments, and things about that very first episode. I have a bunch of things I remembered about, like how this all came together in the first episode, but I remember absolutely just dying at the fact that like Jeff was playing an entire city like that mm-hmm. killed me. And like <laughs> the interactions of the city, the citizenry were so good. Like I, I think the idea of having like a dual DM in that way is so efficient and effective. And I'm definitely going to be like stealing that for future campaigns. Cause it was awesome i loved it uh, i i will uh ask you zach i bet well uh did it make it easier to kind of keep track of like the story and the encounters because i what you told me was just like you're gonna be the city plan some people and stuff that's in it and then <laughs> like i did that but i didn't have to think about well how does this fit into a bigger story how does this do any of that instead i could just kind of create these little slices of life and get you to jump in with me to just like Mm -hmm. goof off for a little bit, just, uh, you know, make up some (laughs) dumb characters and some dumb little slices of life to fill in this or that. 
Yeah, it was it was very fun, very great. Really takes the pressure off of like me in terms of like I'm gonna just just let let Jeff do some entertaining stuff for a while, see what happens. I mean, part of why I listened to a little bit of our session zero session earlier today because some things we said in there were very impactful in planning the season. And a lot of what I want to do in season three was experiment with our format a little bit of this notion of like rotating DMs and things would come back. And so if we put me as the previous DM back in the driver's seat, you know, how do we kind of like mix seasons together and really like how do we how do we find some interesting things to do with our format here that other podcasts don't do and really with the goal of like creating a collaborative world where all of us are creating it it's not just the dm and the players following along it really is like all of us creating it and so rotating dms is obviously a huge piece of that but like this notion of like jeff can kind of come in and set up some stuff that i can then pick up and play with i think was a great idea and like worked out just so well so helpful yeah in the start of a season you know you're just setting the table you're putting out the lay of the land trying to build a world build a a sense of what could happen and what um the environment is like and having two people i think is a great way to do that because you're not you know i didn't worry about you know long arc of the story and you know we just got to have fun and do that so i think it's a it's a great thing to do for I think the first part and then to come back and play, you know, a character and then go back. It was mm-hmm. for me, I think I had the best, I drew the best straw in the, uh, uh mm-hmm. at the beginning of the season. So I loved it. So here's what I remember today. Listening back on season zero, if it was just me DMing, we probably would have started on the shores of the Island. Just like jumping right to you found this map. And here you are, you just got dropped off on the shores of the island, which was basically episode two. But in the session zero, I asked all of you, like, what do you want? What are things that we haven't done that you want to do more of? And I think it was Chris that said, like, I'd kind of like to do some like shopping and like hanging out. And so I was like, oh, all right, well. (laughs) like I've definitely like consciously avoided those things because I just feel like it's not as fun to listen to other people's kind of like shop and figure things out but I guess we could maybe start in a town and they can kind of go around and find their way and then I had the thought that like uh, I don't really want to make like a bunch of NPCs in the town for them to wander around and that led me to like uh well so I want to bring XX bloody heart into this season but it's not going to happen for a while because I kind of had the plan for him to come in later but Jeff is awesome. Like maybe Jeff could do it for me. <laughs> and that was like, Hey Jeff, uh, could you maybe play all the NPCs? And then like that kind of evolved into like encapsulating that into like Jeff, basically you are the town and when they're in this town, like I want you to take over. And that just worked so great. <laughs> and so I kind of like remembered today that that was because Chris said, I want to shop. Well, thank you, Chris. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> really for that for that off comment. <laughs> I don't know shopping. I'll crack my knuckles and get in there. <laughs> well, I think not Maya. Uh, I think Jen said something about like she wanted to interact with more more characters or people, something mm-hmm. too. So as much as you know, I think combat is fun. It's not always the most fun to listen to, and we we try to keep things yeah edited a little snappy. But I love the character building and, and just little real moments of like, well, we got to find this thing. We got to upgrade. We got to trade. And, and it's like that 
the characters get to barter and and um, find find themselves and kind of find the community a little bit more. And I, I think mm-hmm. it actually helps because th- then they're invested in like they've met people, they've met they've met the shop owners and they've met the the bartender and the the people that they like and don't like, and they're invested in this town instead of just just random town that they have to save. But they're they haven't met anybody, so I think mm-hmm. it's it's important to spend some time, even if it's a quote unquote shopping session or whatever. But it's you know, and it really wasn't like I don't think <laughs> it was. It would certainly be open to the two of you to be like, oh, I want to shop for some arrows or something. Yeah. You didn't really do that, but you met no, no, a bunch of really cool session people. Session one was not. I think it was like mm-hmm. session four or five or something that ended up being the shopping session, which we'll get to. But fills. <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, the first one was. I mean, for gravely at least, you know, was important just because we went to the Dreadex office and. And he found out about losing his job. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that was kind of like, oh, <laughs> like I, I left that first session personally. It's kind of like, oh, man, what <laughs> I, I was kind of honestly disappointed for my character. I was like, I don't know what what he's going to do. But but I was also kind of interested, like where, oh, this could be interesting because where does this go? We definitely talked about like Gravely's background. And I had asked you for some characters from your history to kind of incorporate into his past catching up to him. Jeff did a good job of just setting up situations where there was multiple characters. So he and I could kind of both play a character and, you know, just like start up a scene. But that 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 um, going to the hidden Dread X office in the lighthouse or whatever and playing Bashir, who just like everybody hated so much, was just such a bully and everybody hated so much immediately. I don't know that I had a lot with Bashir planned, but he just seemed so like significant that he would have to get more based on how that scene went he would have to be more involved in the story to come he was a fun person to hate Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i I loved meeting sit that was another highlight yeah that's a Mm -hmm. whole thing isn't it so something else i remembered is like originally when i conceived things um the notion of soot's like intro not who soot was but the notion of like the character that comes in with this dodgy looking map that is somehow inspired to follow it would have been Lyra, Jessica's character. I thought she would be a great character to show up with like, guys, I've got this map and like pop up out of nowhere because she has the finger that like gives her disguise self to show up and say like, Hey, come with me. I've got this map. But Jessica, the human was at that time, maybe like two weeks from giving birth or maybe she had a one month old. I don't remember exactly where it was, but she was not at all interested in doing that. So I went to Weston of like, okay, so like whoever your character is, they've got this map, they found it, and they are committed to getting some people to there and going to check it out and and mm. uh, sit, fell into that role. I mean, really, is is there? Can we really say that Sit wasn't uh, Lyra this entire time? Ooh, <laughs> I mean, twist. That's my we... new headcanon. I love it. <laughs> it's just. Literally the entire time. Um, we could go back in the whole series. The whole series, every season, we're going to pick a variety of characters that were Lyra. I mean, in disguise. I mean, they're both kind of sketchy characters, like not quite doing the right thing. It definitely would have uh, addressed some of the trust issues right <laughs> off the bat had it been had it been someone we knew instead of it being. Mm-hmm. It would have been a super different dynamic. Yeah. Instead, there was so much. Like, especially with with I felt like Gravely was like, mm, I don't know about this. 
you guys asked me last time in our in our earlier wrap up session right afterwards, like what were the things that kind of threw you for a loop? Thinking back across the whole season, there was a few big things, and they were almost always like soot decisions. <laughs> Weston oh, making soot decisions <laughs> of just like being who soot is in situations. We'll get to that in other episodes, but like all the things that were like me going like, oh man, what am I going to do with this? <laughs> I was not expecting this. We're usually just sit being sit. I was like really nervous because playing evil aligned characters is really difficult. Yeah. Because uh, you can fall into that trope of, you know, it's just what my character would do, you know? Mm-hmm. And being able to walk that line of yeah it is like this is what my character would do but also like making the story like them needing to still work as a group you know like that that tension is is difficult to walk like that's that's not easy because like like you said i'm kind of like putting a lot of faith and trust on the dm and on my fellow players that i'm not i'm not trying to destroy the campaign i'm trying to deepen the relationships in the campaign and trying to access these points in characters that they've never that, that we haven't seen yet mm-hmm. like I, I i don't know how like i know how, how i felt playing soot and it was really fun to play soot but it was also like really uh unnerving to play mm-hmm. soot because i didn't i didn't want to ruin the campaign but i also wanted to be true to a character but i also you know i wanted to challenge the group without becoming a stumbling block for the show like like for the campaign mm-hmm. yeah well i'll tell you how, how you ended up playing soot changed how i played branch uh, a little bit because i was going to have him be a more evil is the wrong word a, a less likable character i guess uh than he ended up being but i didn't want that and and Soot. i felt like it would set <laughs> off poorly so i just had him mistrustful of, of humans that's really funny i like that no i think i think weston it, it was it was great having that dynamic because, you know, especially Maya having this, I like everyone or I'm going to find the good of everyone. And it, and then it fell to Gravely to be like, wait a minute. Like, <laughs> and then I, and Gravely sort of fell into this like older brother babysitter role, like almost like, <laughs> mm-hmm. like, okay, but I'm not going to trust you, you know, like, uh-huh. and Maya doesn't know any better. So now I have to, and it was really interesting. I will say from a player perspective, like, it was great having that dynamic, but I wouldn't recommend having somebody in your group unless you really trust them. Like we, I think we really trust each other. You know, we trusted you to play that and to have that sort of dynamic with us. But like, if you're coming in with a chaotic evil character or a, you know, lawful evil or whatever, like you got to really trust that person because otherwise it could go like you were saying, like it, it could, it could derail very quickly. Yeah. But, but if you trust the player, then it could be really fun. And I, that, that it was very fun for me to play that. You, you have to be uh, okay being frustrated in character, which gravely was, but I was having a great time with it. <laughs> I, I think one of the things I learned about playing a evil aligned character is that like they ha- just like any good evil guy or, you know, like, you know, end boss or anything, their motivations have to be really like understandable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, Soot was a very relatable character. Like you, people understood. Like I, I, I hope people understood why Soot was the way he was. And oh, I, I, I felt like you explained it really well. And like in character, I felt like you, his justifications totally made sense on that on that front. Yeah, 
so like if if the party understands why your character is that way not that they're just like going around causing chaos you know i just want to watch the world burn kind of nonsense like the, the, there is an opportunity for growth and for change, and I think that's what happened with Soot. I mean, if if Soot managed to escape the boat after blinding uh, the captain and and stealing uh, <laughs> her stuff, like <laughs> he probably would have been gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he didn't because Carlos nabbed him. You know, <laughs> um, so like those, good job, Carlos. Those I. I, I I respect like both the group and I also respect the dice, you know, like what is going to happen here? Um, yeah. wh- what are the dice going to dictate? And that's really fun. I, d- I want to, I want to call out episode one, just like the whole opera progression oh, yeah. was just like so beautiful. So hilarious. <laughs> and so like, I, I don't think I said anything during most of it. <laughs> it was so fun. Um, just the notion that this opera is out there. We did some singing. Maya went. She hung out with some crew. She got rolled up in a pyramid scheme that like kind of didn't take. That was just all so fun. <laughs> yes, the uh, grift that didn't take because Maya was too nice to get grifted. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. It was so great. great. And it ended up with uh, Soot pulling two bodies out of a chest like that was a very good episode and literally like if it was just me dming the whole ep- that whole episode probably wouldn't exist do we do we All have um some merch with the uh with that show whatever that show was called like can we get some merch made that's like playbill <laughs> no the, but the opera had a yeah. name right uh, whatever the uh-huh. we need to get like yeah like a shirt that just says like playbill at the top and then like has a picture of like fish guts. Yeah. Fish guts. The musical. Yeah. <laughs> fish fish guts, guts. Fish Absolutely. Guts. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway, moving on to uh, episode two on the island. We met branch. Hey, we explored. It ended up with Sindel's return. Oh, that was a cool moment. The notion of like that island and the little map and being lured onto this island that has this creature on it that's controlling other creatures on the island was a one shot I put together as like an introductory this is D D kind of thing and I kind of like repurposed it for this episode. I actually have an actual map. I don't know if we put a picture out of it on social media, but I have an actual map that my daughter helped me make. And I like told her we like aged a piece of paper and she drew on it. And I kind of like gave her the notion of like this God, this map is made by goblins, but they don't really know how to write. They don't know how to spell. And so <laughs> she created like alternate spellings of big cove and little cove. It's a cute little map I, that I have. And... Can we please talk about the jellyfish? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the removal of the jellyfish and then the fight that ensued over the jellyfish. Sure. Discuss. <laughs> well, like how, like how was that supposed to work? Like, I, I, I thought for a while that maybe they were undead, but then they weren't. But then they kind of were. They were like puppets. And then, mm-hmm. like, Branch had this thing on the back of his neck. Like, I, like was it one of those situations as a DM where you're just like, there's this thing. I don't know how they're going to get it off, but let's see what they do. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I did not have a clear plan for that. And it had a lot to do with, like, what was the plan and what was your roles in terms of how would that go and improvising with it. But I think the notion of like, there's this little like, it's a cell of the creature that the creature implants in the neck of these things. And that's how it controls. And it kind of taps into the nervous system through the neck. And that's how it like 
zombifies. Oh, it was people. actually a piece of the giant squid dude. Yeah, that, oh, that was, that was my that. concept. Like we <laughs> called it a jellyfish because it was this like kind of like cell with tendrils. And so that's basically what it was. But yeah, that would be basically that was my notion that like it's a piece of this creature. And that's how it maintains kind of like a psychic connection to the zombified controlled person because it's like impacting the brain taking over the brain kind of my favorite part of that whole thing was every time i would step out of line that branch would step out of line <laughs> you would shine a flashlight in my eyes yeah <laughs> yeah i had a flashlight and i'd shine it in matt's eyes and that was his cue that he was his character was in pain <laughs> he's getting zapped yeah, so definitely, I don't remember what the actual roles or attempts were. I think we had a pretty good medicine check to pull it out of branch. And if that had failed, like it probably would have gone <laughs> a lot different. Probably just like he would have passed out and you'd have to <laughs> figure it out from, from there. I suppose if you had like rolled a nat one <laughs> on that, like roll to extract it, like I'm not sure what that would have done. It might have been like, well, he died. Like you could revive him, like you had some healing spells, but like, <laughs> yeah, a lot would hang on that attempted initial removal and then there was the wonder that was jen like trying to befriend this like oh yeah oh my gosh (laughs) monstrosity aberration of a creature and then like kind of doing it like okay i'll take you down underwater (laughs) what is happening right now my friend oh no yeah Yeah, that was (laughs) it's like no wait wait no 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 no. (laughs) yeah that was another good example of 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 someone in our group just being like well this is what my character would do i guess i'm Mm -hmm. gonna do it and then it having fun consequences yeah and me having to figure out like okay so it likes her what does that mean from this creature's perspective (laughs) you're like she has to survive because i gotta take her out in the on the book (laughs) (laughs) and be assassinated later (laughs) let's let's keep it moving so uh episode three was the two captains show up that was probably the first real soot loop was that he tried to fight Captain Dropoff, which was not something I was at all prepared for. Rolled out pretty nicely. Yeah, I rolled horrible that entire encounter. Yeah. I, th- I, I think I rolled like a two and then a four for uh-huh. my attacks. And like, it was so bad. It was just, it was so bad. We saw his big shark people and Tiburon mm-hmm. showed up with Honey Mist. Mm-hmm. Sindel was alive and we got to find out why she was older. <laughs> yeah. Like, episode three was a little chat with Sindel meeting the two captains and then going resting on the bastion. And then like the first half of raiding drop offs hideout um, intro of Carlos. Carlos, you want to talk a little bit about your entry into the, yeah. All I really knew coming in is that uh honey mist would be my captain. Uh, she would be the captain of the ship called the bastion. And that there's a ship called the Bastion. <laughs> that was pretty much all the information that I had. Uh, so I I knew I sort of wanted to come in, and it's like, okay, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna be coming into the party, I should try and add uh, where where I can. And um, you know, I I, I think I, I just came up with like, well, the, the fighter is very straightforward, but they would probably uh, appreciate a fighter <laughs> uh, on the team. So mm-hmm. um, uh, I, I just went for something simple and burly, uh, uh, keep it to the dice rolls, and then just try and figure out the character a little bit from there. Because um, I didn't come in with a specific plan because I was going to kind of, I didn't know how far into the season y'all were. So I didn't know how far I was going to be slotting into things that were already in progress. 
So I wanted to feel my way around that uh, before kind of cementing who the character would be and what they would be up to. Um, and as I've mentioned before, <laughs> I, I didn't expect to last <laughs> all the way till the end of the season. So uh, uh, it was definitely a pleasant surprise to to sort of continue to develop that character when at first it was just sort of like a blank slate of like pirate. All right. <laughs> and Carlos, is it true that um, you didn't even know this was a podcast? <laughs> That's true. Yeah, when the microphone started getting pulled out, I really freaked out. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> what are these? <laughs> is this like an intervention? Is this uh, one, of, one of those TV shows, uh, 60 Minutes or something? Yeah, but uh, no, it turned out to be a podcast, which is a very pleasant surprise because I do well with that, <laughs> but not uh, not getting interrogated. So, Carlos, uh, how you. are you with ad reads? Can you do our ad reads? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure, of course. Uh, as we, we all get know, an ad read, we'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, DraftKings is the way to bet on sports. <laughs> DraftKings is king, baby. <laughs> For all you D and D players out there, the one true king, DraftKings.com. <laughs> You're hired. Relevant. Thank you. I think it was really fun having Tiburon, uh, having a character that was not, you know, he was very strong, but he wasn't like a straightforward like superhero in, in his own right. Like he was, you know, he's a first mate or, you know, kind of like, oh, I'll go along with you. And then he, you kind of found those moments like with the shark later and just like having those cool moments, like where he became greater was really fun mm-hmm. to watch that too. Yeah. I mean, Zach told me that I was the first mate. So I sort of, it, you can kind of go a couple directions with that, but I just went with like strong silent type. So like someone who's effective, but generally doesn't need the spotlight, which, which seems like it would fit uh, well with, with the first mate role. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, fun Easter egg for anyone that doesn't speak Spanish and listens to this podcast. Tiburon means shark. Yeah, <laughs> sure do. Nice. I, I was going to say, I thought Tiburon was such a good foil for the party where he, he would be like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, yeah. We, so- it was a good we were, voice of reason character. We were all kind of used to the weirdness of our characters, and so we couldn't really see through the weirdness. And Tiburon was just this weirdness compass, or like, <laughs> like let's no, that doesn't make What's any that sense. Smell, man. Why, why would you let that happen? That's weird. So I, I thought that was kind of a, a another great reason to have Tiburon in the party. Yeah, the sea shanties and the peppermint sails and the riding the shark were all like benchmark Tiburon character development moments. And every um, shocking shock, what do you call that phrase? Like blistering barnacles by Davy Jones's beard. We need a super cut of all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) So episode four was the rest of like raiding, drop-offs, hideout, seeing Bashir in there and gravely trying to pursue him. So mad he um, got away. <laughs> for Bashir's stats, I basically just used Gravely's character sheet. So, like, he was basically a ranger that matched you. <laughs> so, kind of, like, trying to, like, yeah, like, he's running away from you. It's a ranger chasing a ranger. So, guess what? <laughs> this guy used Pass Without Trace. How do you feel about it? <laughs> he's hard to follow. <laughs> so, Gravely, and then we, like, we worked our way in. We... Opened the vault, played dibs. You guys all remember dibs? That was a fun moment. Yes. First of our first session of like weird items, we introduced yeah. the trident. And Maya still has a piano. Oh, yeah. We never really used the piano. We got to call back to that at some point. There's definitely some uh, definitely some trailing items to use. <laughs> After that, episode five was going back to the bastion. 
all happy with your magic items and merkins coming along with you and then tragedy struck probably there's a lot to talk about in that episode so yeah early on maya got assassinated which we don't have jen here to talk about but actually like you're all perception because like as we went through that episode and that like happening my kind of notion of like well drop off's an assassin and he intends to assassinate this person and if you're a skilled assassin you make sure it's going to happen so he's a character who's very like He's like a playable player level 10 character that's very just geared towards everything that's useful to assassinate somebody he has built in. You know, she she sort of like legitimately didn't have a chance because that was his goal. And then after that, things just unfolded as they unfolded. I think that's a good thing to kind of open up of like what were people's impressions of that and how it went and how it unfolded. It was horrible to be like so powerless like i had Mm -hmm. nothing like literally nothing at my disposal that could have helped and so that was like a moment for soot when like here here he is again watching how the world is and how brutal it is and so and 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 he's he's powerless to help like to to make any changes to it Mm-hmm. Um, and you see how that impacted uh, impacted him directly after that. Yeah. When he all of a sudden this 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 like slight like he was starting to enjoy their company, and then all of a sudden this worldview that was beginning to like start to take shape was just absolutely shattered again, and he fell back into his back into his old you know habits, back mm-hmm. into the things that kept him alive. Survival mode. So it was interesting, like I had put a fair amount of thought into planning, not planning with Jen, but kind of preparing her for what was to come. Like I didn't tell her, I told her like, I'm expecting you to play Sarsa for a piece of this episode. So she had like Sarsa geared up and ready to go. She didn't know anything particular was going to happen to Maya, but I also made sure at the end of by the end of that session, actually in the middle of that session, before she was playing Sarsa, I think Jen was sitting through that battle, which went a lot longer than I thought it would because Soot tried to jump ship and a lot of things happened. So she was sitting there kind of not knowing what happened to Maya. But then in kind of the midpoint of that recording session, Jen and I actually recorded the, the piece that dropped later on of her waking up under the tree Mm -hmm. with the six foot squirrel. So like emotionally, Jen didn't go home feeling like, I don't know what happened to Maya, but in session, I gave everybody the option like, okay, so we're going to record something now. If you want to be present, you can, or if you don't want your character, if you don't want to know something, your character doesn't know you can leave. And everybody opted to leave and we recorded that alone. And so all of, all of the rest of you. So I I put a lot of thought into like making sure Jen was going to be okay. Not so much. (laughs) thought into making sure everybody else was okay so impressions of that and kind of how that rolled out for all of you i think is good to kind of check in on and discuss i i I mean i think it's fun to have those moments where it's like here's a secret or here's a here's something that you know might be revealed later um i i I think that's fun to use as a technique uh, especially when it's something that might be emotionally a bit of a payoff later on for sure Mm -hmm. Personally, I was very frustrated <laughs> after that episode. 
in retrospect, I, I, I you know, it's, it's interesting to listen to. But it, in the moment, I was very like, I didn't know how to feel. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think yeah. I told you that. <laughs> but <laughs> but and you were basically like, it's OK. <laughs> like, there's a plan. There's a plan involved. And um, <laughs> just, you know, just trust me. And I was like, all right, I'll tell you, I, I wasn't here for the recording because I wasn't in that mm-hmm. episode. And so I just got to experience that as a fan. I had no idea that's what was going to happen. <laughs> Like I, I almost swerved off the road when I listened to that episode. <laughs> like what? I, I, yeah, I had the same experience. I didn't know what was going on. I just listened to it. And was like, oh, here's the episode they recorded. I was like, oh, what? What? The chance that? Oh no! I should I call somebody? Oh my! Yes, you know. Oh my god! Yeah. Yes, exactly yeah. like that. I, I I definitely felt like like I said, just powerless, like just absolutely powerless. And and I think there were some things that like I just missed, like in in the recording, like I missed the roles that Captain Dropoff made. Like like I just completely missed them. So it just sounded like you get you get hit by two arrows. <laughs> like it, it's like, huh? Wait, what? Oh, she's she's dead, and she fell overboard. Okay, like like there was, I and and, and so I like I I think I reacted like like Chris was saying like Soot reacted, and and we saw how that went. You know, there was there was some of that like rebellion against the DM <laughs> in that episode, mm-hmm. uh, but but it was it was true to what Soot was feeling and kind of going through and the shock of what had just occurred. I remembering remembering like how to play that. I consciously made the decision to like like Weston was saying like I don't remember a lot of roles. I consciously made the decision to have a lot happen behind the screen and really play that more the way your characters would experience. Like that notion of these bolts just came out of nowhere and then my friend was gone is really like how your players would feel. And I legitimately rolled everything, but he also really kind of like put the whole situation to his advantage in terms of like assassin abilities where you get automatic advantage if players are surprised and things like that. And the poison he was using, the serpent venom that we investigated later. So like I, I consciously kind of like kept a lot, I kind of played it as like a bolt hits her, another bolt hits her. It does. This yeah, you're a damage. real good assassin. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you killed really good. Well, so the way that you all reacted to it emotionally was like miserable, but also kind of like I chose to kind of do that to you. <laughs> gotcha. That's what, so that's what. True well done with your do. suffering. <laughs> and, and 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 I think that's that's like I said. There's this element of us trusting each other, right? Mm-hmm. So like we're we're doing our best to give each other the benefit of a doubt. I wouldn't mm-hmm. recommend a a DM who's in a new party do that to their players because it's just going to seem like oh you wanted to murder that player yeah because you have a real good idea of like uh, a story point and it's uh, this is my second session okay i'm done with this group (laughs) but again yeah like you said it was we trusted zach and it was like there's a point to this and and it was it it worked out it worked out great was maya always the target because she had the staff yeah so specifically drop off new there's kind of like word out because of like Lady Aranye wanting that staff back and it being linked because of Maya's deal to like, I have this staff until I die. I think Aranye couldn't like, because of like rules of the, of the Feywild couldn't order her death or kill her, but kind of like word was out that like, Hey, if this person died, I, I, you know, I wouldn't be upset. 
and drop off, you know, was going specifically for, I'm going to kill this person that has this staff because it's going to allow me to trade for this crown that's going to let me control the Leviathan was so, drop off so that- plan. And that's a really interesting thing that I don't think any of the characters really put together. Maybe mm-hmm. XX in some way witnessed it, but the diadem came from Aranye mm-hmm. that gave him all this power. And so that's interesting. You know, like she's definitely a bigger player that we haven't. She's been there. We dealt with her in the in the first season, but it's like there's still more. I think that she's playing into the, the bigger game. Mm-hmm. Whatever that means. Um, and so in terms of aftermath in that episode, like I think it was meant to like kind of cement like this is a bad person. Two big things happen in that episode. Soot's rebellion in response to that and kind of like trying to grab Honey Miss Amulet and jump overboard. But also Gravely's kind of resolve and kind of piecing the clues together of thinking, I think she's in the Feywild. Gravely piecing that together was very i think impactful to his ability to kind of like not be completely broken down in that period and kind of have hope and provide a good teaser for the audience i was a little bit like oh man he put that together that's gonna like wreck a reveal (laughs) but then in retrospect listening to it like i think that's good i think that's good for like the audience to also be like oh yeah maybe she is in the feywild and kind of like being with gravely in that hope well, that like maybe she's okay. And the reason the reason I I didn't want to have like that. Well, I I think I figured it out, but gravely didn't. But mm-hmm. but I remember distinctly that moment in season one where <laughs> Maya says until I'm dead, and then uh-huh. you know, and then Aranya is like, okay, and Gravely's like, oh wait a minute, you know, like like he he knew this was a mistake. And didn't forget that. And 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 in the after the moment after her assassination, he's like, wait, I in desperation of like there's gotta be some possibility she's alive and you know and, and hope. Mm-hmm. And that was like uh, this thin sliver of hope that well, maybe this is she was taken instead of she died. You know, or maybe she died and then was brought back because of that or something. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's that's what justified that that sort of realization yeah it totally did that was a like a random thing that happened in season one partially because jen was exhausted that night she was like jet lagged so tired. and we had this scene with her with my with aranya and she like legitimately like proposed that plan and i as aranya was like yes yes i will accept that good deal <laughs> And like it played big into season three, just me thinking of like that's got to have consequences in here, and here it was. Don't make <laughs> this was the consequence the to that action. <laughs> so yeah, Weston, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about more Soot's <laughs> attempted rebellion, imprisonment. Those were all scenes I were not anticipating in that episode. The imprisonment and kind of like negotiating, like all right, we'll release him to you, so we're not the kind of people that are just going to execute you. What did you guys think of all that playing out? I well, it, it was, it was. Uh, there was a couple things that led to Sut's rebellion, and it was obviously the death of Maya that kind of put him into that survival mode, and then him like imagining, or you know, it, it, imagining the ship going down after seeing a hole in the hull mm-hmm. of the ship, um, and in 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 Sut's uh, in Sut's mind's eye, in my mind's eye, I saw the hole was a lot bigger. 
<laughs> so yeah, like, that was interesting because I was kind of trying to explain like, oh, it's kind of small. It's, you know, it's manageable. You just have to figure out a way to deal with this. And your was like, your reaction was like, it's going down. But I think that was really appropriate for like how Soot would perceive panic. it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, like, Soot hates water, right? That Soot was hates water. Um, and, and, and he just got something that would allow him to breathe underwater. So he's thinking, okay, the ship's going down. Drop-off is coming for us. We just stole a bunch of his stuff. I need to take everything I can and get out. Um, and so the, he, was just, he was just in panic mode. And, and I think that's something that uh, doesn't happen in normal campaigns because like, lawful evil characters aren't, uh, are, are tricky, are super, super tricky. Um, but I knew you, I, I knew you all could handle it. You know, like I, mm-hmm. I knew that I, I, or I trusted that you could handle that situation. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I went for it and, uh, and if, if, if Soot got away, I can only imagine like the, the toll that that would have had on maybe Gravely and Captain Honeymist's relationship or like you mm-hmm. brought him aboard, you know, here, like I, 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 I could see you know, kind of chessing, chessing it out, the, the consequences would be interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Regardless. Well, I was really thinking in terms of like Honeymoon's perspective of like, why would she not kill him right now? Oh, yeah. Well, well, it, <laughs> like, it, it, why would they not be like, okay, like, this is not okay. This is not how a crew works. We're going to give you your wish and take the amulet back and give you your wish and throw you overboard. We're not yep. going to mess with you on here. Well, and and I I I totally accepted that as the consequence for you know Soot's actions because mm-hmm. that's that's what Soot that's the 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 mindset Soot has take everything you can and run uh, or else somebody else is going to take it from you. Um, so Soot was freaking out because he was sure he was going to die, and and I'm I'm really curious why he didn't. You know, like and. And and that that moment, the the reason that he didn't die changed him, like because mm-hmm. he was already in this very vulnerable state. So I'm kind of curious what your mindset was. I know it was not an easy. I uh, mean, I was in that kind of like managing the DM moment of like I don't want <laughs> this character to just end here, and so like I think throwing him in the brig, we'll deal with this later, was a good like. Both for Honey Mist and me, like, let's figure this out moment. And then, like, Gravely went down and talked to him. And I think that kind of gave enough leverage to, like, all right, like, I'm releasing him to you. I mean, there's a little bit of a leap there in this captain being willing to more invest in Gravely and Maya, as I think these are good people. And Tiburon's going to go around, go along to kind of supervise take him off my ship <laughs> but like you know we're not the kind of people that execute <laughs> execute folks and i don't want him stuck in the brig um so i think that was a little of a leap a little bit of a leap for how i was kind of like perceiving honey mist in that moment but you know i think it worked out and i think it kind of like followed the logic and i think like throw him up the lock him up we'll figure out this in a minute was a good like Let's let's see if we can sort this out through some role play kind of thing. I, I was really curious to see how gravely would have turned out having like lost his two 
com- mm-hmm. like traveling companions that quickly in that quick succession. Yeah. Um, so, so I, I, I'm, 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 I really enjoy character death. I think it's something that is deepening to every story, um, to, 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 to those who remain. Uh, and so as a player, I have to also be willing to, you know, know that that is always a chance that I take and a character that I love that does something stupid can be punished for it. Yeah, I mean, I think those choices of Soot all throughout the season really had huge impacts. Starting with like, I'm going to fight drop off back on the island and me have thing. I hadn't like not fully statted drop off as a character. <laughs> so I had to be like, oh, okay, he's got a big crossbow and he's got a sword. And like, uh, let me put this together real quick. Was was drop off <laughs> plan to like capture Maya or like, like what was, because I mean, he was on the island. He saw all of us. Did he just not know about it yet? Like I, I'm really curious. If you had chosen to go with drop off, he definitely would have like, killed Maya and taken y'all prisoner or killed y'all on board. I didn't think you would go that way, but like, I think honey mist arriving at about the same time, screwed up his plan. He was showing up to gotcha. like, you know, I've got a bead on these people. I'm trying to take out this one particular person in order to extract a favor for me. So he was heading in there and very, very frustrated that honey mist was right on his tail and her presence there watching messed up his ability to act right then um but i think i think in the logic of drop off like the notion of honey miss knowing about his hideout and going in for a raid that was potentially you know drop off maybe knew about that and was kind of like using it as bait to like set up this ambush to kill the person and get the crown Sierra, bring up the <laughs> Leviathan, summon the portal, assassinate the Water Lord, and take over the realm of Popolum. Anyway. Womp, womp. <laughs> yeah. Moving forward, so what is that? Five, five or six was um I think that episode ended with Gravely saying, I think she's in. I think she might be in the Feywild. No, that which was is the really that nice was the mid section. Yeah. Oh, then, before the like break. Yeah, that was right before the break. Um, okay. We, we, so then after at, that was Sarsa and Jarek arriving. Sarsa and Jarek arrived, and then we went mm-hmm. in back into town mm-hmm. to try to find a bag of holding because for some reason that was that was the thing that we were like, well, all this terrible stuff happened. You you said you knew about a bag of holding, <laughs> sort of like. Sort of like a PTSD, like I just got to hang on to this one thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of like placed that like go back into the town and just hang out for a little bit was kind of an opportunity for let the characters in my mind, the whole like thing that unrolled with like soot and (laughs) getting captured and all of that. And even a lot of what happened in fleeing from drop offs attack uh was i wasn't really expecting it so that all lasted longer than i was expecting it and it was all great so i was just definitely conceiving as like the opportunity to just go back to giaka and decompress as both an opportunity for the characters and the players to just kind of like process wherever you needed to process Mm -hmm. and that brought was also also at that moment was like let's see what happens if we bring some season two characters in back into this 
Uh, let's see what happens if the DM brings a character that he was playing into this. And if we can sustain that, we're all kind of like experiments. I wanted to see how that went. Um, and then we got back to Giaka and uh, Giaka Jeff came on back. Yeah, that was fun. Well, real quick, uh, um, I had one more thing to add about Soot's yeah. imprisonment because because I thought that was one of my favorite scenes with Gravely and Soot because you know he had uh, Gravely had punched Soot like after the, the the wall was patched or the hole was patched, mm-hmm. you know, out of frustration of just like why didn't you help me? Like why are you trying to jump ship like idiot? And then and then uh, he came down to talk to you as like a look, you're you're the only person I know. I, and, and I need your help and like, and I want to trust you and like, I'm going to give you a chance. And, and I, that was a really, I, for me, at least that was a really fun moment to play because it was like, you know, gravely as I've always played him as like a dependent person and it switched him into this position of like, well, now I'm, now I'm taking care of somebody or I, I'm sort of responsible for somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's somebody that I don't really even necessarily like <laughs> as a character, but uh, he was doing the responsible thing. Um, and I, I, I just liked that dynamic a lot. Yeah, he was almost forced to like mature and, and take ownership of, of his own stuff in that moment. Yeah. Uh, prior to that, he like you said, he'd been more of a he'd sort of latched on to Maya. Yeah who got taken away. So I, I, it was a, it was an interesting dynamic for, and I think Soot or uh, gravely realized how powerful Soot can be. So he's like, I, you know, I think you have the potential for doing the right thing. So I got to show you that, you know, I, I trust you and that will protect you, which like he saw, like he saw Soot just being like, no, I'm just going to die. Like I have to get out of here. And he's like, no, you're not going to die. Because because I'm going to make sure that doesn't happen. Like, I've mm-hmm. got your back. Yeah. Or at least I'm going to yeah, try. Huge. Well, and and I, I, I felt that like Gravely was coming from such a sincere place in all those things. Like it like you could see it in his backstory, like being pretty much like bullied and thrown around and underappreciated and all those things that he was. And in the first couple seasons, like he had coach there as this like bowling ball, you know, yeah. this this force that you know greatly didn't have to really step up as the um as like the the big brother even though he was he still in his head was a voice of reason with with coach there he couldn't he couldn't grow as much as he did once coach left yeah um and that that like you know mother henness that he had for maya he then kind of attached to so mm-hmm yeah, it was fun. Carlos, hold on. Carlos. Yeah. Yes. That, that was only like what your was that your second episode with us? That was the second session that I sat in on and uh, for a thoughts? second for a second when when Jeff rolled those numbers on Dropov's uh sniper arrow, I thought, "Oh no, this is a party wipe. Like he's just going <laughs> to murder all of us now because he got fed up with this." Um as it sort of went on, it, it it continued to be terrifying, but I was sort of more assured of like, okay, he's not just going to murder all of us. 
<laughs> but Jen's probably dead. And I was like, oh man, what, <laughs> what happens now? You know, I, 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 I just come in again. I was under the impression that I was only here for a couple of sessions. So to see him murder essentially a, a player that's been around since day one just struck me as sort of like, note to self, don't piss off Zach. Um, <laughs> But but also, as, as Zach said, sort of what ended up playing out was really good from a storytelling perspective and really led to some good interactions and moments in a way that, again, even he didn't fully predict it was going to necessarily do. Um, and that that made for it was probably one of my favorite sessions. I mean, also, we were we, we were all still together and holding hands while yeah. hanging out in the same place. Mm-hmm. So that that also <laughs> holds some fond memories now, considering where we are in time. But um, it was it was uh, I remember us taking the break because when when Zach said, like, hey, I'll I'll, I'll I'll sort of run a thing with Jen if anyone wants to stay. We all just sort of left. And it was just this general feeling of like, yeah, we're supposed to be unwinding, but it's more just like, yeah, how, was how the- about that, huh? <laughs> how was that conversation in the other room? <laughs> I think there were some drums and we hit them. <laughs> so let's talk about that shopping episode. Oh yeah. My gosh. Please talk about the shopping episode. Mr. Jeff, back to Giaka. I think we mentioned it at some point during the episode, but like he had Jeff had these cards uh, for all of the <laughs> items. And he was it was a stack of cards, like two inches thick. <laughs> Just OK, how about this? <laughs> like, Jeff, do you want to tell us how you how came up with those or what you're uh... take to make that? Men- I mean, it just kept going. I was so impressed. <laughs> it's really funny. I could have listened to that for like another 30 minutes. I was so on board. And I think Jeff was ready to have you listen to it for another 30 <laughs> For those who haven't seen Jeff perform on stage, uh, Jeff is all about the long con. Oh, yeah. And, and he will tell a story for a good seven minutes before getting to a punchline, which may or may not work. <laughs> the joke is about that it goes on for seven minutes. The notes that I got from Zach <laughs> were... Can you make some items that this guy has? And I took that to mean to make Make every item. (laughs) We had a session. I had a talk with Jeff where we like came up with this notion of this character had a bunch of random magic items. Um, And some of them were mine. I threw him some of my ideas and he kind of generated some ideas. Um, And in that discussion, I was not envisioning him like throwing them all out at once at one time just boom 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 i loved it but i loved loved how it played out and this brings us to one of our listener comments uh listener uh on twitter graphite knight i think his real name is anthony and anthony's actually on a podcast of local san diego people called the league of ridiculous conversation lorc available on spotify i listened to a little bit of it today so his comment about his his favorite moments in the podcast. Weirdly, one of my favorite moments was half of a shopping episode when the shopkeeper had the most inane and sometimes useless items. <laughs> I laughed hard and then was inspired to make a list of my own for my players. Y'all inspired me. Thank you nice. so much, Anthony. And actually, I actually responded the, to that. Thanks to Jeff Frank for the nearly endless list of useless magic items. And guess who's set to DM season four? Get ready, everybody. <laughs> list after list after <laughs> list. 
I still think a really clever person could do some smart stuff with some of those things. Yeah. Well, my my kind of I think my notion in like some not necessarily useless items, but just like weird quirky items that would like not inherently like make your character essentially one level higher. Like right. you have a level one sword that just makes you stronger. And really all that does narratively is makes the DM have to throw stronger monsters at you and also give everybody else something stronger. Otherwise your character is overpowered considering con- compared to everybody else. So it's much more fun to just give people something that has one kind of quirky use. You'll have to be creative about. Yeah. Some of those items were really useful. I thought the, I, I loved how gravely when he heard about the broom of mm-hmm. broom of untidying was <laughs> Like he's like, wait a minute, that can cover tracks really nice. That, <laughs> I want that one. That one's great. It was just it was very on on the notion of like there was the the thing that unlocks something, but like you have to die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that, that was a fun discussion that made you guys think like, ooh, wait a minute. <laughs> oh yeah. Well and, and I was like, hey, I I make things die all the time. Like <laughs> I'm cool with that. Give it give it to my zombie and he'll he'll die, I guess. <laughs> And we'll get a free door opened up. I was all about that. Didn't key. work like that. Not as not as directed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was like I just sat back and I just sat back with that one and like waited for Jeff to like see what he wanted to do with that. Mm-hmm. If he yeah, gave sure. it to you, like I would have let you have it. But Jeff was like, "Oh, I don't want to mess this up." <laughs> so much fun in those episodes, Limoncello contests, the the wedding that played out. That was probably, I think, Giacca stretched into two. So the wedding was probably in the second one, but that was a really, the whole progression towards the wedding was great. The whole, we've talked about like the marketplace and Sindel figuring out, Sindel and Gravely. Oh God, entrepreneur Sindel was so <laughs> yes. funny. Oh so man. Great. And, and, so and, and, and the, uh, the omens. The, the, the forcing of Gravely to go on this date, this wedding date, and like <laughs> mm-hmm. he didn't want to do it, but everyone else was like, yeah, do it. <laughs> And he was just like, oh, I feel so awkward and I don't know how to be on a date. And <laughs> yeah, playing that out was so fun. When Farrah was introduced, like Jeff's concept of like, I'm going to introduce a lot of pairs of characters so you can play one and I can play one. So he introduced Farrah and I was like, oh, I'll be Farrah because he's Phil, he's Phil. And Jeff was like, no, <laughs> I have a plan for this. <laughs> like in that moment, Farrah could have been me. But like Jeff was like, no. And like that had huge consequences and was so wonderful for the epic romance between oh i i I, I do i do think that we should uh at some point have a uh soot goes to school episode yeah god that was a great moment too (laughs) Soot just bouncing around in shady ways in that episode was awesome Oh man! See, on the boat, like we almost lost Soot, but it wasn't until we got to that school that I thought, "Oh no, we're really gonna lose him now." <laughs> this is this is when he goes away. Do we need to go in there? What? We'll just wait outside this school. That doesn't seem good. If we just like wait outside, the school. <laughs> he, he really shouldn't be in there. <laughs> it's a school uh, library. So what are they gonna have? <laughs> <laughs> they had enough. The wedding, the, the wedding moment, the wedding under the tree was nice, like kind of like culture of culture of Giacco, where they kind of like worship this great tree was nice, kind of like nuance. And this, the roles, the charisma roles were a great moment of like gravely this ritual of like we all talk up the bride and groom and gravely rolled terribly. And Sindel got to like rescue him was a very 
fun moment. It was really fun. Thanks for that. Everyone loves a wedding. Oh, what about Captain Dropoff trying to convince Soot mm-hmm. to come work for him? Yeah. <laughs> like, r- immediately after he, like, murdered his, his friend. <laughs> I, I, like... Did you think that Soot was going to agree to that? Like, I, I'm, or was it potentially? I didn't really know because, like, the the like notion of, I feel like the only way Soot wouldn't agree to that was because of him not being killed by like Gravely and Honey Mist, which was his kind of like his awakening, yeah, his awakening to like maybe there's good in the world because exactly. I think Dropoff's perspective was I just demonstrated. That I am the top dog here. I'm powerful. And so like this. This like creature that has some magical powers that I could use. Is going to want to come with me because he wants to survive. Um, and so like I feel like gravely or certain another moment would definitely be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I want to be with this guy. But like, you know, that was kind of his shot. I, I legitimately didn't know necessarily what Sid would do in that moment. And I think it played out nicely. And and that's a good point. Without that, like imprisonment, like mercy, he, mm-hmm. you're right. He he very well might have gone with Captain Dropoff. Like in 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 the moment, I wasn't playing any what ifs. I was playing soot, you know, as he was and in, in, in yeah. the relationships that he had. So like, if that didn't happen, he very well could have moved off with Dropoff. That's a good point. And and I had kind of like a notion of like. I felt like definitely based on like how you had played things that it would really depend on how that moment role played out of what your decision about what Sit would do would go and kind of what was going in that moment. And I definitely had a plan for what if Sit chose to go with them, him becoming kind of a point of view character for the Trident and kind of like doing some scenes of him meeting the folks on the Trident and getting, you know, drop off a little better, which also takes me back to like the moment of the, for Tiburon, the moment of uh, turning point that Carlos, you didn't really know, was Tiburon deciding to like tag along and go along to Giaca, <laughs> which was like legitimately just out there. Like some people are going to go in Giaca. The crew of the ship is going to stay and do repairs. It was legitimately out there for Tiburon to be like, "Yeah, I'll tag along with you guys." And that would have been the point. That would have been the exit point as originally conceived for. <laughs> Tiburon to kind of be the point of view character for the Bastion, but Carlos followed along with like, yeah, I'll go with you. And I didn't say anything else because I was like, yeah, I want Carlos to stick around with us. And <laughs> that was the rest of the season for you. <laughs> I had no idea you trapped me, Zach. Oh my God. It just seemed like, oh, all right, well, everyone's going to town. I don't want to be I here as alone. Well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I might as well go with them. And then once Jeff started GMing and naming all these items, I'm like, this was a great choice. Yeah. I love it here. It absolutely was. Uh, well, anyway, surging forward, lots of cool stuff happens in uh, introducing the goblins was the last little like piece of frosting on the cake. We had kind of, I conceptually, I, one of my like options for how you would get to, how you would get to the island was another thing that was like, I didn't really know. I figured you'd find a way because Sit was motivated to go there. You'd figure it out. One of my options was I, I described in the, like the, who was in the salty seagull, the salty seagull. Yeah. There's a mention there that there's some goblins at a table messing with some stuff. 
And those are the goblins that were building the semi-submersible. So one of my options for how you would get to the island was meeting these goblins who had this plan to like kind of scavenge stuff, um, which I had kind of like set aside, didn't think was going to come back. And then it was like the last little bit that Jeff dropped into Giaka before chaos happened. That was fun to play as Jarek. And then, you know, they became they became important characters later on. Um and then uh, drop off arrived, chaos happened, floods happened, and that was a whole a whole new episode. Skills challenge, Jaka's being flooded. What were kind of like your perceptions of that episode? I was also really that was definitely another episode where like I didn't know how it was gonna go. I was just gonna like put my faith in all of you finding interesting things to happen, and like you definitely did so. Talk a little bit about that. Uh, <laughs> uh, I got really excited for about 10 seconds when I remembered, wait, I have this trident. Yeah. Wait a minute. He's yeah. riding some sort of giant beast. It's and mine. I thought for a second, I'd be like, he man, I have the power and I take over the giant monster that was about to come kill us all. And then it was pointed out that it was an elemental. So I had to come up with something mm-hmm. else. Womp, <laughs> But that's still you wrapped it around to that. We made awesome stuff happen with the trident. Yeah, that that shark moment was great. Tiburon mm-hmm. on the shark, rescuing oh, yeah. people on a shark in the water, <laughs> most was certainly so cool. And having uh, Soot and Sindel sort of dual or, or Sarsa. I guess there were so many characters, like mm-hmm. a, a bunch of magic casters, you know, fighting the water and you know pushing back the water, and then like you know people bringing back you know, rescuing people out of the city and everything. It was, it was, there was, it was one of those, like the party was split. Like we were definitely all over the place. And, uh, that was, a. Uh, you could definitely feel the chaos in the situation, but I mm-hmm. think it, it captured it really well. Like if all of us were together, I don't think it would have been as climactic as it was. So it was, that was fun to play out. As I conceived of that in my mind, it would be like everybody kind of goes their own direction. They fan out to try to save the town and everybody does their own thing. And then we kind of like judge how each effort went and we add that up. And like as as some of you overlapped, as like Sarsa went for the Crescent Squall, but Tiburon went with her and Soot was down there interacting with the same sort of stuff. I was like. Well, of course, of course, they wouldn't all go separate (laughs) in my DM brain. I'm like, how do I like reconcile these? How do I like combine these? But like, yeah, of course, they wouldn't just like be separate and just kind of tried to roll with the punches and figure out sort of how that would go together. They went together. Great. I think just just so you guys know, totally off, slightly off topic. But my daughter, as you guys know, is listening to season three right now. Uh, She just texted me from her bed saying, Maya just died. Oh no! Oh, I'm so sad. <laughs> oh, we traumatized Good night, the child. Sweetie. Nothing is permanent in life. Mwah. She gets better. <laughs> Text her back. Yeah, we're recording the wrap up, wrap up episode, and Jen's not there. It's really, really sad. For us. <laughs> oh, she, knows, she knows that well, part too because I did mention that Jen wasn't going to be. Oh, <laughs> oh no. no! Fast forward. Life is futile. Everything dies. Good night. <laughs> The the soot moment in there that was a role that was a role like soot trying to like rescue Sindel 
in there and like get the bubble on her head was a really moment where like I was rooting for the dice to go a different way. And I was just trying to trying to make the calls of like, is this successful? Is that successful? Let's roll and find out. And and for them both to be kind of like washed away, it was very like an attempt at a heroic moment for certain a redemption moment that like didn't quite play out as much as he planned. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh no!" Like maybe I should lie about this eleven or what it was, but <laughs> no, like, just went with not. it. Yeah. Well, I and like it's like Sindel is Sindel is such a like proud, strong character that like yeah. like Soot was just seeing like his like he was kind of having some like self reflection, and he just denied an opportunity that he would have in the past absolutely taken up on. So he's kind of like experimenting, like, okay, I'm going to put myself to the wind. And so far, it's, it's worked out, you, you know, like for, for, for him, you know, mm-hmm. he's, he's kind of testing the world now. And that was his, his test. <laughs> and then it was just like shoved back in his face. Because I mean, Sindel's a like a very proud, very strong character, like she can take care of herself. Mm-hmm. Um but it, it, he was just trying to do something, <laughs> just trying to do something nice. And then they both just got wrecked. Well, and I think she in that moment was expecting to be wrecked. She was in the mindset of like, I'm going to hold this back as far as I can. And I don't know what's going to happen after that, but probably I'll be, probably I'll drown. And, and, and so, so like so him jumping that. out and trying to rescue her was like absolutely wonderful and absolutely something from a day previous would never have done. It was a really beautiful moment. But it didn't it didn't quite work out for him, which was like in that moment, I still wanted it to be more of a triumph. But also the fact that it wasn't fully like set him up really right. nicely for like the course of the season, having a lot more growth. So that worked out, worked out well. Yeah, I, I think it did, too. Uh, I, I and, and I mean, we we all have those moments in life where like we tr- we try and do the right thing and then it just doesn't. <laughs> It doesn't work like you you try and like be the bigger person or you try and help the person in need and it just not it just doesn't work. And so it's a very relatable moment as well. Yeah. So let's see what happened after that. We recorded that. I think that was a Zencaster episode. The, the tail end of that episode was a, it's midway in that episode, like the Lemoncello drunken <laughs> in the middle of that episode was the last thing we recorded in person. And then the rest of that episode we recorded a couple months later after the pandemic, we were scheduled to record like the Thursday before the world fell apart. <laughs> Yeah. And it, like at the beginning of that week, we were like, can we record on Thursday? We're not sure. It'll probably be a lot clearer by Thursday, whether it's okay for like humans to be in person. And that week was like Monday. Nobody was sure. Wednesday, like the NBA was canceled. Thursday, Disneyland shut down. And then Friday, the world ended. Yeah. Uh, so we did not record. That would have been a very nice stopping point to stop for any amount of time because it would have been kind of what I had conceived as like the, the halfway kind of like season semi finale of Giacca is destroyed, but then we hear Maya is okay. And that's kind of like the cliffhanger, but we did not quite get that done. That's where we paused. We had the very wonderful uh, dude, where's my sword, which we had actually already recorded in person. We stopped because Weston was having a baby 
he wasn't able to record. So that delayed us a little bit. So that's where we did Dude, Where's My Sword, which was awesome. Yeah, and we were supposed to come together to just get that last piece that we didn't do. Anyway, we eventually got to the kind of like season finale. Not season finale, but like mid midpoint break point. The reveal of Maya being off somewhere with a giant squirrel. And then I think was the next episodes, the XX, the X return of the XX gang. Yeah, that episode was fantastic. Very fun. Always great to get the gang back together. Oh, yeah. Cause trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fun to revisit them. Fun to bring in Alex as Carol, the portal hopping. Love that. that was it was so great. It was like portal some weird Doctor Who episode. It was it was wonderful. <laughs> She did just a great job of being this kind of like going with the flow. I've been being sucked through these portals for a while and I just try to try to roll with it and be friendly if I can. And uh, a lot of fun inviting her in. That's probably a good point to uh, have another listener question. So Celine, who's on our discord server, Chris, tell us how people can join our discord server. If you go to our Twitter at Roll Table, there is a Linktree link, which is the only link that's on our profile. And that has a link to all of the things you can go to our website, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook. And there will also be a link for our Discord. Um, and you can join from there. There's a kind of an open link and you can go on. And once you join the Discord, you can see a lot of different channels and... Uh, it'll be fun to have you there and you can uh, mm-hmm. see uh, official artwork from all the seasons. You can see um, discussions for all three or and uh, the ongoing seasons there, as well as uh, ask questions about DMing and um, about rolling characters. And we can help you roll a character. Um, and Jeff has a whole thread on how to make pizza. So. so Celine on our Discord asked a question. How do you make the changes in cast so smoothly written and coordinate that kind of thing logistically? Which is a good question. Um, and some of us started to chime in on Discord, and I was like, "Shut up! We're going to talk on the wrap up episode." Yeah, so seriously, who would do that? Neat commentary, <laughs> commentary on that. Gross. I can kind of share a little bit about how we manage stuff. Well, I think initially when we had the conversation about how the whole thing would go, and just a mentioned this briefly um we we all kind of like the idea of being able to play different characters and rotating who would dm between seasons and we didn't know if it would work and we're still kind of figuring some things out but um we you know kind of put in a a bid for like oh i have an idea for this upcoming season or i i I think i want to do this or i want to play a different character and and we just kind of sort it out and whoever is going to dm takes the reins and everybody else kind of figures out, am I going to continue with this one character or am I going to play a new character? And what would make sense from a narrative standpoint, like who is going to be the thread or is there going to be a character that kind of keeps going like season two, which I DM'd had two characters that started in season one, and then two new characters that were brand new. And so it kind of, you know, was that, experiment of can we keep things going but have the feeling of something new and almost standalone but then also uh tie it together um to make it this overall Mm -hmm. you know greater narrative which i i think it's it's been pretty fun to see how that how that's come together and how it's continuing to evolve yeah i mean so you mentioned like well we don't really write anything um 
because it's improv. The thing that is probably most planned is what characters are going to be in a given episode because like largely just because logistically we need to know like who we need to schedule with, who needs to be in the room for this recording session. And so we know that much more than exactly how that character is going to enter and how things are going to play out. And, and a lot of times, at least from my planning, those are kind of the kind of most significant sort of turning points of like, okay, in this episode, Carlos's new character is going to show up. And in this episode, Jen's character is going to leave, but then she's going to come back as another character. And in this character, then this episode, we're going to go back to the XX gang. And so these people will be playing these characters. So a lot structured around that. And I think in terms of like the most interesting entrances and exits in the story, it's a lot of like, oh yeah, those like it, it for these episodes we just like are talking about right now, the XX gang, which was just like a random experiment in season one was so successful and so fun that when I was planning season three, I was like, we got to get those, we got to get that team back and see kind of like how they're doing and have fun like that again. Um, so I think those have been sort of like the most, Characters, interesting entrances and exits have been kind of the most fun, inspiring pieces of where things go. This well, this season has been, I think, the most fluid in terms of like we've had, you know, we had Branch come in in season or uh, episode two, three, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, Carlos's character, Tiburon, came in like episode three or four or something. And then, you know, Sindel came in, Jarek and Sarsa came in, Maya left, Soot left, Soot came back. I mean, it, there was a lot of back and forth and it was really, it, it was a very fluid and I was worried it was going to be like, oh man, is this going to be too confusing? But it kind of just kept flowing um, and, and it was, it was interesting to see. It was almost like a, like Tarantino, Tarantino <laughs> narrative uh, where you kind of followed all these little chapters, but they all kind of came together, um, which it, it, you know, it, it ended up working, I think. It's yeah, different. it's hard. It's hard for us to know within the podcast of like, is the casual listener following all of this? But I think all of you do such good character work with each character that I think, you know, I imagine people have a pretty nobody's going to confuse, you know, Matt doing branch with Carlos doing Tiburon because they're very distinct <laughs> characters. It's not like those two guys kind of sound the same and I don't know what's going on. You all do such just like brilliant direct character work, both in like voice work and who your character is that like, I feel like certainly like early on when we're introducing characters, I try to be very conscious of like, I don't want too many people in this episode. So a listener can kind of get to know Mm -hmm. each character, but towards the end of a season, bringing everybody together, I think is almost like necessary. We want to see the whole team together doing the thing. And I think one of the other aspects that leads into the how, how do we do the changing cast is, I mean, we're we're all we all know we're going to play at some point. Mm-hmm. We're all willing to sit out for times. Yeah, that's huge, too. People being OK with not being in an episode, which like Matt, Matt, you're a good person to speak to this because you kind of <laughs> got abandoned for not only a few episodes, but also it turned out to be a couple of extra months because of the pandemic. <laughs> So please continue. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say, so there's that aspect of it, but there's also, we have tons of friends that we want to bring in onto the show. Yeah. We had Alex. We got a couple of people we could brought on the, uh, several people we brought on for the one shot and, mm-hmm. you know, being willing to step aside to make room for, for them and, and for everybody. I mean, when we started this whole thing, it was basically 
this group minus Carlos plus Jen, you know, and but we're like, ah, it's too many people for every mm-hmm. episode. So we kind of pared it down a little bit. And and I think, you know, being willing to make those those changes is if someone else is trying to do this, that's how you do it. Mm-hmm. Huge, huge, huge. People willing to be like, yeah, I don't need to be in this one is like very much appreciated. I think I'm the only one who's been in literally every episode so far. So if y'all need me to take a break, it's, oh, I'm, prob- I'm probably up. <laughs> yeah. I think Jen was on track for being in every episode and then she missed like the one shot last year. And then, it- Oh yeah. The holiday one shot. <laughs> yep. mm-hmm, Cause she was sick. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, the XX portal jumping things, any sort of commentary commentary about those episodes oh can uh, we just can we just please talk about the immovable rod can we please yes just talk about the immovable rod another epic moment i didn't even know that was a possible thing to move an immovable <laughs> rod That's we like- recorded we recorded forward <laughs> weston you should tell that you should give the retelling of the immovable rod so so like xx minotaur's like whole thing is that he's a big burly like dangerous minotaur right like he's he's a big dude strong and so to kind of prove i don't know he was broing out with the demon and decided like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna move that blasted thing runs at it and then i then zach told me to roll a strength check so i did and i rolled a natural 20 (laughs) (laughs) and zach turns to me and says it doesn't move. <laughs> it's a move. And then I'm like, no, that 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 cannot be the case. <laughs> and I like pulled out my like not just lawyering. a natural twenty. Like, what was that roll? Like, the natural twenty didn't do it. It was because like the actual roll was like thirty six or something. No, no. <laughs> in, in 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 the rules for the immovable rod, it says that you have to make a strength check to move it. And the only way to move it is to roll a natural 20 on that strength check. I don't think so. I think it says it's a DC 30 roll. Uh, is it DC 30? That's yeah. That's what uh-huh. I remember as well. And I had to like pull out and kind of like skim the text and I kind of missed that part. And that's what you read. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah. Uh-huh. You're, yeah. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it so was... then you kind of like whispered to Chris and like, Oh, it would have worked. And, I, and, and we had to like kind of like stop and be like, OK, we got to do that because like, yeah, DC 30. Yeah, you're right. It's got to work. And DC 30, like in terms of like what that means is if that's like categorized is like it's a DC doing something that's impossible mm-hmm. is a DC 30. It's not just rolling well. It's also being really, really good at that thing. And that's what it was. <laughs> so it moved. Yeah, he, he has like a plus 12 to his strength or something. Mm-hmm. So, and you had you had done something extra, <laughs> or you had taken because you had taken some rogue abilities. You had taken expertise in athletics. That's what put you over the top. Uh-huh. Yeah. Anyway, it was it was it was a really fun moment, and I, it was it was like the most rules lawyer I have been in the campaign. Where, <laughs> where I was like, no, I got to look this up. <laughs> this, this, this can't be right. And great. Like I that cut that. Funny. I cut like the first piece, but we started, we kind of like started recording forward with me right. saying like, oh, he does like everything perfect. And he feels so good about this. And he just like charges and it's exactly <laughs> what he wanted to do. And he just gets like clotheslined by this thing because it doesn't move because <laughs> it's immovable. And then we went on for like a couple of minutes. And that's when you like looked up and. <laughs> I kind of like heard the whispering of like, oh, it would have worked. Oh, yeah, it would have worked. And we like stopped and went like, okay, 
No, it's got to work. Then. Let's <laughs> go need, back. You need to give me this. <laughs> yeah. He could do one thing good. Which was way better. Anyway, and fun. so great. Like, I think we mentioned but, already. Like, all this stuff <laughs> behind the scenes to happen for, like, in the story being like, oh, this is an immovable rod. Oh, I moved it a little bit. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, let's keep going and uh, continue. <laughs> and nobody ever saw it or heard from it again. XX Bloody Heart has it, right? <laughs> no, XX Minotaur has it. Does he? Yeah. XX Bloody Heart has the... The rock, the token. rock token, which is what I thought, which I was very prepared for you to use a rock token in the final fight, which you totally didn't. <laughs> no, I decided to summon Nefeshni. It's such a Jeff thing to have that, too. You know, like, you know, he's going to pull that out and just abuse it somehow. I mean that in the best possible way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, for sure. I am intentionally going to pick the, the stupidest time <laughs> to bring that back up. <laughs> I have it written. I have it written on a post-it note by my bedside table, so <laughs> that I forget. can think about it every day. Don't forget to keep it room. in my brain. Don't forget, <laughs> XX has a rock token. <laughs> See, you you made a mistake summoning the fashion. You should have just summoned XX Minotaur. That's that's what should have happened. You, you know, go. honestly, honestly, <laughs> that would have been amazing. He's dependable. Well, anyway, so those episodes were a lot of fun. We went back. We saw the summoning of the the reveal. Well, the portal had been the ring of the portal had been revealed. That was kind of like end of the cliffhanger. But we saw the the summoning of the Leviathan and the opening of the portal and the water troops coming out. And it kind of seems like it's happening again to those two characters that had been back in respite, and then uh, drop off just straight up assassinates this dude again. Little fight. I was not expecting that episode to have a fight with Bashir, but when Chris said, like, Gravely's looking for Bashir, I was like, Yeah, Bashir's probably there. <laughs> and like that, we kind of like generated that whole fight. The rest of the season is kind of like the one long plan to like, they plan their assault and they hike over to the bastion and they do this underwater plan, which was very fun. That was another moment where like, I didn't know how you guys were going to approach, and that plan was pretty awesome and fun to play out the murky underwater trek up onto the trident meeting branch who's an octopus oh that was sabotaging the cannon meeting bashir the snakes the soot rejoining the situation drunk bashir was very interesting or like uh you know uh medicated heavily medication bashir that was fun to play yeah so like any 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 kind of final thoughts or observations about that whole final push. I would say when we were in camp and before sort of anything uh, was happening, you know, Dropov uh, had murdered Maya and Mm -hmm. then he murdered something else and named himself like Lord of the sea uh, and had all these elementals at his beck and call. It it was just literally terrifying of like, okay, this is like a dark souls video game. Like how that, how the heck are we going to beat this enormous, a super powerful bad guy and the fact that you kind of like left it so open-ended was in some ways like a little distressing because it was <laughs> taking us a while to sort of like spin up the wheels as to like okay what is the plan what parts are part of the plan and what parts are not part of the plan we know we got to go to that ship we know we got to try and get the drop on them but how is that going to happen how are we going to do it and um 
it's 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 interesting to hear you saying that you actually didn't know how we were supposed to approach it either, mm-hmm. which means there was no correct answer. We literally just arrived at the best plan that we could arrive at as a group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it ended up working out pretty spectacularly well for us, uh, considering. Um, but I, I found that very interesting. It, it felt it felt like a long episode of a lot of discussions. But once we started rolling with it and the fact that we arrived at it in such an open ended way was uh, fairly exciting. I liked the good cop bad cop uh episode of merkins being ripped up <laughs> yeah, that was a fun gimmick that was very fun <laughs> that was that was that was nicely just gonna make some stew for the kids and oh <laughs> tell me about the captain merkins <laughs> <laughs> um yeah that like planning aspect we did that kind of you know accidentally a little bit in season one of a similar like big discussion of how are we going to do this you know, I don't remember exactly what I had conceived at that point, but a little bit like I'm listening for like, how do you want to do this? And so what's going to happen when they try this? And in those in both those episodes that like planning around the table in the cottage in season one and the how are we going to how are we going to get on the trident and get this crown here was like, yeah, like you, you all just talk, figure out what you want to do and like. Both of those episodes are just really heavily edited in that, like, all the kind of, like, chat and legitimate discussion and kind of, like, throwing out some ideas that you end up abandoning. A lot of that I just cut out and so, like, kept the relevant stuff. And so it really was a legit, it really is a legitimate, like, let's figure out a plan, which I think was another, another way to kind of, like, embrace the improv and embrace the, like, giving the players a lot of agency there was not a clear route it felt a little bit like a bowling in the dark where we sort of (laughs) had to trust that you had the gutter guards up or that (laughs) we just weren't gonna go end up in the gutter because otherwise we just wasted like an hour or two of our time ending (laughs) up at the most terrible plan possible and you just kind of let us fall into it which would have been which would have been funny and fun in a completely (laughs) different way yeah so our actual recording session was i think the whole fight with bashir the rings moment, XX Bloody Heart with the rings and punching Bashir was another epic, wonderful moment. Um, we recorded that and then the planning session and then we like ended at the end of the planning session, I think, walking over to the Bastion. So I was able to plan out like, OK, they're going to try this plan. And so let me kind of flesh out the details of what they're going to encounter along that way. And so I'd like to nominate the rings for um, MVP, yes. MVP of the <laughs> series so far. Over and over. The rings got it done. Thanks to uh, Jerry the Boggle. Jerry! (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, that brings us to the finale. And we talked a lot about, you know, a lot last time about how that turned out. Epic ending. So kind of like last thoughts about season three. And then we can do a kind of like quick teaser of season four. Uh, it wasn't until retrospect that I realized how many animals were involved in our climax <laughs> from a phoenix to a giant turtle to an octopus to snakes. Mm-hmm. And so many frogs. Um, and so, so many, many frogs. frogs. God, oh, the, frogs the frogs were so great. Massive amount of amphibious. I love druids. They're so fun. So fun Con- to play. Conjuration needs to go away. Nope. Conjuration <laughs> needs to just explode and leave forever. I always want to play like a conjuration wizard, but they're just not as much fun uh, when it comes to their conjurations. And then I'm like, oh, wait, druids do all the things that I like. I conjure 16 weasels. Great. (laughs) It's a lot of extra business. 
let me yeah. let me just get all those minis out. This is <laughs> this is going to extend combat by about forty minutes. Yeah, <laughs> my my whiteboard was just filled with numbers as we were doing that. I was like, all right, this person's hurt and this one's not. Okay. <laughs> well, Zach, I got a question from a mm-hmm. DM perspective. Is is this season? It seemed like you you know improved a little bit more than than planned stuff. Uh, you know, kind of went with it. And I, I know that you had mentioned. Um, I'm just going to try to not plan anything you know like at certain points and um how did you how do you think in retrospect that went or you know do you think it's do you like the more loosey-goosey kind of style or do you like having a little bit more of a of a game plan not not like saying like this is exactly what's going to happen but like where do you think the balance is there yeah i mean i think it's a constant it's a constant challenge it's a scary thing like, you know that, especially with a bunch of just, like, brilliant performers and improvisers, that, like, I'm doing a big disservice if I, like, map out a thing that's going to happen regardless of who's playing and what they do. So I don't want to do that. But also, like, I want every episode to matter, to feel compelling, and not have episodes that were just like, yeah, nothing really happened. Like, we goofed around a little bit, but nothing was big. So finding that balance, I think, is critical and difficult but for the most part the places where i really like had moments of like i'm just gonna let them go and see what happens were some of the best moments in my mind and true of season one too and i tried to do more of that here i think like having a structure of like you know having some like check-in points where like more or less i know we're gonna start here obviously i know that this and this are gonna happen and i think we're gonna end here is about as much structure as I think is good. And largely those should think should those should be things that are like this is inevitable because I know the bad guy is do is up to this right now and is going to do this. So that's coming what the players do with it, I don't know, but like that's coming and it's going to happen. I think is a good way to plan it. I've mentioned before that I kind of try to go with a very loose plan for the big picture and a more the closer you get in the timeline a more firm plan so i know a lot of what's going to happen the night that we sit down to record but i don't necessarily know that much of what's going to happen next time and even if that night that we record goes about the way i expected it's really not like solidified in my mind till it happens so often it's not until we actually like play it out and it happens that i have enough clarity to really plan more of what's going to happen the next time so bits and pieces, the big dramatic moments are kind of like what I had planned out, but all the nuances and great stuff that happened, I didn't. And uh, and and I tried to really like when something really interesting happened, find ways to like make that important, make that come back, make it matter. Nice. I mentioned earlier that I put a lot of planning into like, how is Jeff going to use this stupid feather that <laughs> summons a giant bird? Um <laughs> <laughs> I forgot some of the other magic items you had. And I, when I remembered one of the other specific magic items that triggered a whole like, oh, my gosh, this could have happened. I should have set it up this way. That is like clawing at my soul, which I'm not <laughs> sharing because like maybe I'll find a way somewhere in the future to kind of create similar circumstances. But, you know, that's part of that's part of leaving it up to improv that sometimes sometimes you miss those moments. But man, there's so much I'm proud of. There's so much I'm proud of, uh, largely from my role of like setting it up and then backing off, (laughs) backing off and letting awesome people do awesome things. One of which is just like, (laughs) Jeff, you're Giaka, go. 
Jiaka really was completely Jeff's creation. The notion of it being kind of like Italian inspired. He said, yeah, this is going to be based on the Italian city of Genoa. That was completely him as not at all in my mind originally. And so that whole flavor, the opera, really everything about Giacco was very much like Jeff's concept and really added a lot of awesomeness. And Giacco nuance. means jacket in Italian. <laughs> yes, and it Zach does. liked it so much he destroyed it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I did. I Giving <laughs> Jeff this town, I absolutely knew from the beginning when I was saying, Jeff, you're going to be this town that... I am eventually going to destroy it. <laughs> Do we, so, ever, like, the more, we ever not destroy towns? The more heart and reality and like making it like reveal real and putting like real souls in this town, like that's better because it's going to make when I come along and destroy it all the more heart mention. <laughs> we're, we're kind of the worst when it comes to that. Like the towns are just destroyed. That's what yeah, bad guys are. do. Well, sometimes the good guys do it while trying to defeat the bad guys too. Good point. All righty. Well, let's. Uh, let's you know, last thing to check check in on is. Uh, I am very disappointed that we didn't get any follow up mm-hmm. with Gravely and Farah at the end. I thought for sure impromptu yeah. wedding or big <laughs> celebration. I just I, I feel like we missed an opportunity there, and I want to blame myself mostly for that. I blame you. I needed, I, I wanted that. I, I don't know if it's bonus content. I don't know if people want to draw. Jeff, yeah, I don't know if people want to draw pictures of that wedding and send it into our Discord. I uh... I don't know if we want to like. <laughs> Gravely is not going to get married anytime Whoa, soon. Whoa, okay. Oh. Wow, I think. Confirm that. I think Gravely, Farah might have some right. things to say about that. <laughs> and the and kids. The kid. The kids in the bushes. <laughs> Yay! I feel a little. I feel a little crowded. I, I don't know if I like all these kids around me all the time. Maybe uh, we have a little privacy sometimes. Um, that's a good thing. That's a good thing to like build off of, though. Um, what are what are some other kind of like threads that are out there that we might revisit in the future, or things that anybody wants to see happen in the future? Is a good way to maybe wrap up. Uh, I want to see what happens with Soot and Honey Mist uh, yes. and their fleet. Um, coming back with like this fleet of, uh, you know, ships and like sits a sea captain with, uh, a crew of dead. (laughs) I mean, I'm just looking forward to inevitably whenever that happens, he just becomes Um, Davy Jones. Pretty much. I mean, (laughs) it's going to be interesting. I I think it'll be fun if we ever see, uh, the XX gang come back Uh or, or in some, uh, respect. It was such a great sign off of the XX gang of like the choice of like, okay, there's this portal open. There's basically two places to go. You go back to Giaka or you go back to the Feywild. And like legitimately for some people, there was more of a choice than others, but legitimately like, you know, it was up to people where, where you go. And very much like Alex very much could have like decided to be, (laughs) to step in and, join things but she opted to kind of stick with the gang and that was just such a beautiful moment of like yeah i like know these guys and i kind of trust them and i'm gonna go hang out with them and the saranye person seems pretty cool and the, like the last sign off line of like did we did we mention she's a giant spider <laughs> what wait what <laughs> and that was the last we heard of carol <laughs> definitely want to follow up on that oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah i'd love i'd love to see i know they they kind of we kind of closed the portal hopping 
uh, as part of that, but there's no reason it couldn't come back. I would love more adventures there. Mm-hmm. That was my favorite part of the season as a, as a listener was, mm-hmm. was that, that whole episode. We have already recorded the one shot following Jarek and Sarsa to rescue Jarek's dad, which was a lot of fun. That will air uh, next on the, on the stream. Jarek's dad played by my dad, Tad Stones, which was a lot of fun for me and a lot of fun to bring him into this and make a character. He was great. That was that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And we had two other guest stars that that day as well. So lots more people to listen to. A lot of fun. Yeah. And everybody did really great. There's lots in that episode to potentially revisit and incorporate into the future for sure. Sindel's a phoenix out there somewhere. She might cry. I don't up think again. we're giving away hints about season four because it's it's going to be uh, very interesting and new, and a lot of us are playing new characters. I think so. We're we're gonna mm-hmm. keep that under wraps. Yep. Right, Jeff. Yes, indeed. So, Jeff, any final notes about season four? Season four will be our will be our secretest season yet. <laughs> can can you confirm Sweet. or deny that we're going to see new locations? I can confirm that we will see uh all new realms, mm. all new locales, but maybe some familiar faces. Mm-hmm. I have one more little thing to add is is uh yep. just the the addition of Weston's music mm. uh in the yep. background of all the fights and everything was was really fun. Um, and, and this, this was the first season we really fully started to use all that. So just thanks to Weston and for uh, letting us use the, the arcane anthems library, uh, mm-hmm. of music and definitely check that out. Yeah. And our process has been like, we record and then I would edit it down and then send it off to Chris. And Chris is the one actually like cutting in all the music and sound effects and adding like all sorts of stuff that like I would always be surprised from. And like whenever I'd listen to the final episode, there was always extra moments where I would get chills or like have a laugh that he incorporated with some sound effects. So Chris did a ton of work. Thank you for that. Chris did a ton of work grabbing Weston stuff and incorporating it and amping up every episode. So I'm sure you can, those of you who are listening, comparing season three to season one and all the extra stuff we've added, that's mostly Chris. So thank you for all that work. My pleasure. I have a bit of, I don't know if this is uh, how much we want to include, but I have a bit of uh, copy that I've written that kind of sets up from what Zach wrote, kind of my prologue that I'll start the season with. I don't know if you want me to read off that part. Yeah, if you want to, that'd be perfect. That'd be a perfect way to sign off. It has been ten months since the death of Miriam Hearthspear, the first knight of the Knights of the Realms. The world has slipped further into chaos into what is being called the Great Turmoil. Armies march in all corners of the world, both beastly and human. The realm of United Kings, historically stable and stalwart, was shattered and splintered as the forty monarchs were succumbed to assassination, overthrow, and displacement. Their lack of leadership has all but dissolved the efficacy of the United Federation of Realms, leaving each realm to fend for itself. Refugees flood from realms lost to those defending their borders, creating more and more desperate situations. In other realms, resistance has worked. The realms of Oak Heart, Marcasia, and Poplona 
have successfully thwarted hostile takeover, and smaller realms like Denbury and Hortonshire were able to defend off attacking hordes. In all the realms, the de facto defensive force has been the Knights of the Realms. With the need so great, open recruitment and enlistment has led many to claim the name Knight of the Realm. Many more lose the title upon falling in battle. The number of knights climbs every day as the world becomes more fraught and the armies of good mount their best resistance. With the sudden explosion in members, new problems have surfaced, and those with the bond of knighthood might not be all that they seem. Bring two (laughs) pairs of underwear. (laughs) 